Well, welcome everybody to one of the first breakout sessions of the conference. And you are here, uh, we are all here to talk about membership, certification, and the future direction of it. And uh, I'm Cindy Hollis, Manager of Membership Engagement with ACB, and delighted to be here with Nancy and Brett. And I'm, before we get started, I'm going to have Nancy introduce herself, and then we'll have Brett introduce himself. So, Nancy. Hey, good afternoon. I am Nancy Marks-Becker. I am the CFO of ACB. And I will just say my little process, and this is the administration of the certification process. All right. And Brett. Hi, I'm Brett Humphrey, and I'm uh, on the advisory board for the American Council of the Blind. And uh, my day job, I work in the Teams app at Microsoft, where I uh, lead the accessibility effort for Teams. Beautiful. And he has been working with us for over a year on uh, membership and how we look at data and all sorts of other good stuff. And really, I feel like it's been good because you've helped us look at things from a different perspective. You know, we do it day in, day out and have been doing it for a long time. And uh, it's really just good to have someone come in who can give us a different perspective and ask us questions to make us think differently. And that's what we are hoping this session will be about as well. So wanted to kick us off with talking a little bit about what our voting structure looks like and why membership is important uh, in that realm of voting. So when we have uh, voting take place and we need a roll call vote where we are actually counting votes specifically. It is based on individual votes of members as well as our affiliate votes or delegate votes. And every affiliate gets delegate votes based on every 25 members. And we round this at the 13 and then up to the 12 above the 25 mark. So if an affiliate has 38 members, they would have two votes. If they have 37 members, they'd have one vote. And, uh, and of course, if they have 500 members, they're going to have 20 votes. And it caps at 25 votes for a delegate. Uh, and this is all driven by our Constitution. So when we do roll call votes in convention, we have the individual votes counted, and we have the delega delegate votes counted, and then those are added together to give us our election or our vote. And... I am going to, this is, I'm going to hand it over to Nancy to talk a little bit about the certification process. And we are nearing the time for people to get their votes in. And this is the reason why your affiliates are pushing for you to join. They need to get your information into our database, our uh, AMMS database, which is our membership um, well, I always forget what AMMS stands for, Nancy, but maybe <laughs> you, you can remind us, but the, re 
the reason that it is important is because this is where the delegate vote gets counted. So if your affiliate wants the most delegate votes, this is where it's done. This is where it happens. And so it's important. So I'm going to hand it over to Nancy and she's going to tell us kind of the timeline of how this process works. Thank you, Cindy. And it is called Affiliate Member Management System. Voila. So voila, <laughs> yes. We just, most people just call it AMS. Yep. So when Cindy is talking about the affiliate vote at the convention, I like to think of the way we get that vote is with the initial certification process. So right now we are what we call in the initial certification process. And since the beginning of January, Through March 15th, your membership records user is going to update, add, or delete members from AMS. So right um, right now, like I said, we are completing that. There's three more days left for them to add new members. And after the 15th, they can't add new members to their affiliate for that affiliate vote. So this is why this initial part part is really important to get any new members in that you want to um, certify. Then through the 16th through the 21st, we are updating these requests. Typically, it does not take us five days to get those requests done, but Sharon let me know yesterday that she had almost a thousand requests that came in this week alone. So that's only one week's worth of time that she's processing a thousand requests. So she's um, um, pushing those updates through. Then the 22nd through the 31st of March is when your your records users will go into the system. Make sure that everybody that is cer- supposed to be certified by your affiliate is certified and they um, submit their report. And this is what determines how many votes each affiliate gets at the convention. So it's very important to make sure that you have everyone certified in this report that um, you want certified for the initial process. The next thing is we import the membership numbers into the database and we verify this with the affiliates to make sure that everybody that they want certified, they actually did get certified. And then through the 16th of April through the 30th, we um, they are to make payment to ACB. And if the affiliates don't make payment to ACB by the 30th, there could be um, something that happens to the affiliate that they could lose a vote because they did not get it in a timely manner. And I believe this is in um, the Constitution and bylaws. Then from May 1st to May 23rd, it opens up again. And I know um, in a memo I sent out, it said June 1st, but we have We are starting the convention a little bit earlier this year than we have in the past. So from May 1st to May 23rd, you can add new members to the national database. And those individuals are eligible to vote at the convention. Back to you, Cindy. All right. And the importance of uh, the affiliate vote. or, or how those are calculated, um, it leads kind of to two questions that are often raised to us. Uh, one of them is, as a member, if I join more than one affiliate, why do I have to pay dues to, every, to ACB um, when I join every affiliate? 
So they, every affiliate has to collect ACB dues when you join them. And the reason is, how else would we count at this time? This is how we count you as a member, an active member of that affiliate. So um, uh, that is, and it's actually in our constitution that this has to be done. So I want people to be aware that currently everything we are doing is constitutionally driven, right? And then the other question, common question that is asked, which challenges us, um, and, and we don't want anybody to miss out. But when somebody goes to vote or wants to vote at the convention and they don't get the voting credentials to do so, because now we are, everybody can vote. You don't have to be present at convention. Certainly this happened probably at convention as well, right, Nancy? Where it did. Somebody, <laughs> well, it they, did. why don't I have my dot, right, on my name tag? Well, now you get credentials to vote online or via phone. And everybody has a chance to do that. But if you don't receive those credentials, it's because you are not perceived or we do not, we do not acknowledge you as a current member of ACB. And why might that be, uh, Nancy? There, there could be a, a couple different reasons. So as an individual, I might provide my money to the chapter. The chapter is supposed to be um, forwarding your information and your dues to the state or special interest affiliate. Then it needs to go into AMMS. And then at that point, you are acknowledged as a member of ACB. What could potentially be happening is you could get the stuff from your chapter, goes to the state, but then the state forgets to take care of it by that members of record date so mm-hmm. then what happens is is at, at, um, for the national organization you aren't recognized as a member and i say for somebody who has done what they're supposed to be doing it is frustrating to not be able to vote when they have provided their money to the chapter or the state and it is not followed through with us and and the reality is that it also could even stop at your chapter Right. So you could give your money to your chapter. You joined there. People get busy. They forget. They think they're going to do it later. It doesn't happen. We don't even know about you in that case. And of course, how could we make you a member if we don't even know about you? So there's some, there's, it's really dependent on other people from your hand to ACB. And uh, likely not going to happen if you join as a member at large. We'll, we'll know about you pretty quickly, but we want to encourage people to join your affiliate. So um, that is the scenarios. It's not, we don't want to be bad people. <laughs> We're not mean. We want you as members, but sometimes we, the communication uh, doesn't get to us. And so, um, uh, that is what happens. And so those are the two questions that are commonly asked. I'm now going to turn it over to Brett for more of a brainstorming session. And um, of course, questions could be asked as well. And then uh, Brett, once you open it, we could have Monica explain how to do the raising of hands and so on before we take questions. Sure. Um, I think, you know, 
in working with uh, Cindy and Nancy and, and other folks on the uh, the board, it was pretty clear that from a you know just a membership perspective, you know we heard a lot of great stuff about the processes and it's it's from the outside a reasonably complex process. Um, but at the end of the day, the members have just two really great questions, which is, hey, uh, I, you know, why am I paying dues for every time I join uh, multiple affiliates? That's, you know, kind of a legitimate question from my perspective. They're like, look, I'm already a member of the ACB and I, now I'm joining affiliates and I, I keep paying more dues. And, and why is that? And so I think it can be con- confusing for the members. Uh, and then, you know, as stated, it's like, hey, uh, <clears throat> I, I thought I joined. Uh, I'm at the conference, I'm at the convention, I, I want to be able to really uh, be able to vote. And so those two things, you know, I think can negatively impact uh, the perception from the membership uh, point of view. And so I just want to start with the first question around, you know, just the group's thoughts on, hey, uh, you know, I have to pay multiple dues. I just want to know how people feel about that as a group, just thoughts on if that... Um, yeah, just kind of an open discussion just to start with on just the concept of a member having to pay dues more than once uh, based on joining more than one affiliate. All right, and, uh, Monica, could you um, go for raise of hands, please? Sure. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so to raise your hand on your PC is Alt-Y. On your Mac, it's Options-Y. On your phone with the keypad is star nine. And on your app, it'll be in the middle of your screen. I'll send you an ask to unmute and then you'll be allowed to share. If someone else is speaking, I will ask you to speak when I allow you, when I ask you to or when they're done. Um, that's it. Um, to mute or mute is alt A. It's command shift A on your Mac. It's star six on your phone with a keypad, and it'll be in the middle of your screen on your app. Back to you, Brett. Awesome. Uh, thanks. Uh, just any open thoughts? Um, you know, just feedback from members. Have others heard feedback around, hey, why am I paying dues twice? And then just your thoughts, uh, potentially those that you have run an affiliate or been a part of an affiliate around just paying dues. Okay, we have Jewel. Hi. Um, So my question would be, is there an online database that somebody could put in their name and ask and check to see if they are already put in the AMMS? I think that's a me question. Yep. So... um, the answer to that right now is no. So what we have done in the last year is we have started what we call a members account where people can um, log in and then they're able to see their own information and they can change their information on their own if they would like. So if you move to a different address, different city, you can update that information on yourself. There has been talks about hopefully um, – having it so once you log in that you can see if you are part of a state affiliate, maybe a chapter, but this is something that we are trying to work through to see if we can um, make it so it's easier for people to see if they're members and to get information from ACB. 
A quick follow-up question. Can you explain how to go into a member's account, like say my account or your account? How would you do that? Yes. So you can, you can only go into your account. Um, right. I'm the easiest whoever. way. The easiest way to do that right now is you could go to members.acb.org and you will have to put in a password, a username and a password. If you don't remember what they are, you can call the Minneapolis office and we can give you what your username is. We can help reset your password if you'd like us to. The other way, if you're having trouble getting in that way, is go to acb.org. There is a box that says join ACB, I think right below that it says register or log on. If you click on that link, it'll take you to the members.acb.org page. Yeah, I think, Very uh, good question, though. Yeah, uh, Jewel, a question for you on that. Um, do you think that will help individuals understand whether they're ready to vote just relative to the, uh, or if they've paid their dues? Is that kind of what you're thinking about or just is it just not uh, or is it not related to the two questions that we're talking about she's muted yeah i sent her enough to unmute yeah she uh. should be able to still unmute on her own so all to a jewel So why don't we come okay, back to her? Okay, yeah. there, there, she's unmuted. Oh, there. Sorry about that. That's okay. Go ahead, Joel. I missed it. Oh, I was just wondering, you'd asked a great question about, you know, can members find out if they're, can they log on and look at their membership data? Um, was it, was there something related to the question around, hey, how do I know if I'm a member or why am I paying my member dues twice? Or was it just the general question? It was, yeah, it was um, basically, if if somebody has paid their dues, how do they find out? Like, okay, um, you know, my state affiliates got the money. Did they already put in the money? If, yeah. Or if I'm at conference, you know, can I check real quick? Oh, yes, I am a member. It is in the system. No, that's a great, great, great idea. I mean, great reason. Yeah, I think, Julie, the other thing that comes to my mind, too, Um is that do we, you know, does the ACB actively just send out an email saying, hey, you have been, uh, you know, accepted as a member and your dues are paid. So there's, you know, potentially an, another way uh, to close that gap uh, potentially in the future. I think some the- of the time, though, Brett, like I receive question about somebody wanted to verify they're a member. And sure. it's because maybe they paid it back in October or November. Right. And here it is now. You know, March first, and they're they don't remember whether they got it. Was it for last year? Was it for this year? You know what I yep. mean? Yeah, so, I think, yeah. I, I think uh, Joel, the question's a great question because it 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 raises the uh, overall challenge of are we staying well connected to the members as things transpire? So, if you did pay in October, did you send them a notif- notification in October? And then during that notification, do we have an opportunity to say, hey, here's how you log into your account, look at your account, click here to reset your password. So um, it's a great question. And I think it leads to just an overall, how are we doing about communications around membership, payment, you know, how to access your account and see where you're at. So yeah, uh, yeah, thank you for the question. Next, we have Janine. Hey, guys. How are you? Hi, Janine. Great. Hi. So, um, 
here's the thing. I have this question and I think I understand it, but now I'm a little confused. I am a secretary of a chapter. So I am in charge now. Very challenging. And I've taken this on for growth, my growth in my blindness journey um, to be a secretary. So I take the people's money and then I email... um, I email my state and then they let you know. But the way I understand it is they pay me. There's there's pri- there's your primary chapter and then there's another. Like if they join multiple chapters, like say they want to be Save the Rabbits or they want to join the cooking chapter or they want to, and they're all within our state. Yep. They pick one primary. So I'm their primary. Let's say I'm their primary chapter and then they join the rabbit chapter, the dog chapter, the yep. bunny chapter. Um, so they don't have to pay the full dues to that, right? They don't have to pay ACB because it's only one. The primary pays yeah, the money. So I'll jump in on this one. So and then, because. But wait, and, and then I have a part B. So. Okay. The, okay. So well, should we do the part A and then. Why don't the I do B? the part A first? Okay. Because okay. maybe I'm not the right person for the part B. Okay. <laughs> so we are working directly with affiliates and every affiliate is its own organization. So how they do business may be different from one organization to the other within our affiliates, right? So um, that sounds very legitimate. It's how it's done in Washington when I was there. And um, as an affiliate, we only pay ACB, an organization, an affiliate, special interest or state only pays once to ACB for each of their members. And whether somebody under that state affiliate belongs to one chapter or five or whatever, that's, you know, up to the makeup of that affiliate. And uh, so what you are explaining sounds exactly right. If you're the primary chapter, it makes sense that you are sending whatever dues for that each member for their uh, state and chapter dues and, and state, national and state chapter dues. And then the state is going to take the national dues and forward that on along with their membership uh, to ACB through the AMS uh, database. So, so if they're, if, if we're their secondary, we get to keep the money and we don't have to pay. Well, if that's what your affiliate requires, mm-hmm. if you do not have to pay them, more than um, just if you don't have to send anything to them or you only have to pay their state dues, that's again up to your affiliate. And if that's what they say, then you're good. Okay. And then part B of that is because each affiliate is different. So again, on the national level, you could be part of a state and then all the little ones in the state. But then when you join other affiliates like guide dogs or books or rabbits, those would be additional dues and then they have to pay as well. They don't, you can't say yeah. primary. Well, my primary. No, there's is, no primary because, so then because every affiliate, no there is no primary. No. Sorry, what, sorry hang on okay. a second. I, didn't, I missed the, the question that the, so, all of what you just said there for Part B. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, that was my Part B. I think Cindy got it. I just wanted so to it's, She was wanting to know if, whereas in chapters in this, in Florida, they can choose a primary and a secondary chapters mm-hmm. and they don't have to pay a, you know, the chapter doesn't have to send along the full amount of money to the state uh, because they, the state only pays once for each member, right? Mm-hmm. So they can belong to multiple chapters, but for national, 
-hmm. We are counting each person from their affiliate every Mm -hmm. single time for that affiliate. So we don't care if they're in five chapters within the affiliate, Mm -hmm. but we still need that dues for every affiliate. And that's how we count those delegate votes within the affiliate, right? So that's how we do it. But they're only counted. They only get to vote once. That was my part B. Yeah. Like, can I vote if I'm in one, my state and however many in my state, and then I join the rabbit national and the candy national, I get three votes, right? So so you do. Yes, kind of you do. So here's the deal. You get your one individual vote. Mm -hmm. Then every affiliate should have its process on how they are going to cast those delegate votes, right? And that could be a totally different, uh, every every affiliate is going to handle that a little bit differently. But you have every right as a member of that affiliate to share how you want to vote and how you want those delegate votes. You're sharing 25, uh, you're one twenty-fifth basically of a delegate vote, right? Okay. So in each of those affiliates, they they should, and if they don't, you should expect them to have a way for you to share how you want your portion of that delegate vote cast. Yeah, I have to say that as a, so um, just to give some folks on this call a little background, I, I've, uh, I'm, I just went for the whole, like, whatever it is, lifetime membership. So I don't deal with the membership dues, but I got to tell you, I, every time we have this conversation, I find some nuanced thing in here. And I've been talking with folks about this for a year. Yeah, and you know, um, just you know, from an outside perspective, I don't know how anybody understands what really goes on. Like to be quite frank, um, I'm sorry. because you know, it was just a great comment about well, but maybe yes, it could depend on the state. There's a primary thing. Yeah. Is there a secondary thing? Yeah. And then what happens to my vote? Like, there's no clarity yet for membership. And so I so, think that, so as, as I just think through that with this group, like I, I think I like the concept of how do I know if I'm a member and how do we communicate on a regular basis? And then secondly, how do we just be clear? Like how do we actually just track, here's the reality for each of these affiliates. So someone can go, oh, I owe, owe dues. I don't owe dues. I got a vote. I didn't get a vote. And what happened? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, right. go ahead, Nancy. I, wa- I do want to add a little bit here. So yeah, there is like the two different votes that go on. Mm-hmm. And I will say from a person who's doing the tallying, yeah. I will not say they're exactly the same. Right. But okay. basically the percentages that those individuals vote for person A and person B is very, very similar to the affiliate vote. So I'm not going to sure. say the affiliate vote doesn't change it, but they're very similar. So if we were to... Um, just look at the say just the individual vote. Mm-hmm. I don't know if um, we would have something different if you put the individual and the affiliate together. Was that right. the same even when we voted virtually this last time? Um, because there were more virtual votes. Right. So I want, I want to pause on that though. That's that's the tally of the votes. I'm just saying clarity for the member. Yep. Yeah. Clarity yep. clarity for the member. It's really really hard. Yep. Like, did I pay well, my dues? Where do, where do my votes go? And so, yeah. I, I mean, I, I do appreciate from the national level it's that way, but I'm just, all I have is my membership hat on right now going, what in the heck is going on? Uh, and so, um, and I just, and like I said, I, it is super nuanced. Um, and I think there's an opportunity 
for for us to figure out clarity. I think there's a hand up still too. We do have so, oh, yeah. five hands Christine. Up. Yeah. Okay, I have. Hey, Chris. Uh, hi, I have two comments. Number one, we can't even debate the issue of how these votes work unless we change the constitution or the body. That's right. So, yeah. like, don't even go there. Um, number I, two. I Oh, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't. And if you had certain people here at this meeting, whom I don't know if they're here since I'm on the other side of the line, mm-hmm. um, they would be very explicit about why these delegate votes work the way they do and how they work, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it, um, I'm kind of disappointed because I thought this was going to be more about either Improving the MMS system, or um, or something like that, as Pelican opposed to um, teaching Brett. But aside from that, oh no, 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 that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. No, that's not accurate. So, but and that's what it sounds like, though, to to me, because the mm-hmm. um, the issue, the other thing about having people know when their whether their dues have been paid. The difficult thing is. The affiliates don't pay the dues until after March 15th. So if they got your dues in October, National won't know the answer to that question until after March 15th. Right. So I want to I want to jump in really, really quick and say that Brett actually knows a lot of what we're talking about. Um, he just but he's going to advocate. He is coming in from a different perspective, an outside perspective. And. Anything is on, a, we could talk about anything. So this was about the future and the future direction. So mm-hmm. that could be right now, we got on the member, how you look at it from a member's perspective. Mm-hmm. But certainly, this is open to, I said that it's a brainstorming session. So Chris, if you have thoughts, that's what we're here to hear. You know, we're here to learn what what people are thinking. And Jewel, who is not an affiliate leader, had a really good perspective, you know, for her, right, oh, as a newer member. That. And so, and, and Brett, who is also relatively new to uh, membership in our organization and who has been helping us navigate the nuances of what we do and why has, you know, he is going to come in with a different perspective and you who is a long time <laughs> member and, you know, president and so on, you're going to have some other perspectives. So, which is great. So we want to hear those. The other thing is, is I don't know that we need to take off the table, the discussion of what we can or can't do in yeah, regards to the say. constitution, right? Because we may not change it this year, but do we keep things just as is because it's the way we've always done it? That could also be another topic that we could discuss mm-hmm. here. So this is a great place, a forum for us yeah. to share all of that. So, and I, yeah. And, and I do, um, I do appreciate the feedback and I apologize if it came across as if you're educating me. What I'm, what I'm trying to state is that there is a lot of nuance and I understand I'd say probably 75% of it. And the challenge with that, is that I've been working with Cindy and Nancy and folks for about a year on it. And it there's still these little things that come up. And so, again, taking the perspective of just a member that shows up, if it's, it's really hard to be clear on what's happening. And so, you know, if evolving AMMS, then there's a way then to use that data and then send it 
clarity to the members, I think that's great. Uh, so I'm also open to just, so my perspective in the first two questions were solely have my member hat on. I'm a new member. I'm a recurring member. I don't know all the details. Um, so that was it. But I'm happy to jump over and talk about AMMS as well, because uh, Cindy and Nancy and I have had some long conversations about AMMS as well. So, uh, yeah, so do so you I'll- have it? Do you have a special, a specific thought, Chris, um, yeah, around this? Well, you know, one of the issues, of course, is that the chapter can send the data up to the affiliate, and the affiliate can send the data on to national. And we all know that everybody's supposed to be checking all the data to make sure it's right. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got lots of people, and Nancy can attest to this from last year, people who their data wasn't up to date. And you can fault the individual, fault the chapter, fault the affiliate, fault somebody for not making sure that somebody, that everybody, you know, was on the same page. And the reason I say that is for voting purposes last year, how many, you, you said you had enough to actually cause some worry that came back either because you didn't have addresses or email addresses were bad or whatever. Correct. Correct. So Chris, I think what you're asking is how can we ensure that the individual's information is, is accurate? Right. And I, I, I went through my, all of my chapters and said, you must check, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know, people said, well, it's up to the individual. I said, no, you're sending it on. You must check for that um, data. To and from right. a membership perspective, I mean, uh, we should be reminding our chapters the importance of those touches, right? Mm-hmm. This is a great way to connect with our members. And and uh, it might take a little time, but you guys have plenty of time, right? So chapters oh, have time. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So, Chris, I would say overall, we do want everything to be accurate for you as the chapter president, the best you guys can do is make sure that the person who is taking care of your records is reaching out to the individuals and making sure that address that we have mm-hmm. in our database mm-hmm. is accurate. And, and Chris, I think here's an interesting just thought. Is there value in the future of being able to say somebody's name at acb.org? Like, in other words, your members could have an email an email address that could be at uh, be on the ACB website that they log in their members and they go, hey, look, here's where I get my email from a member site to go, yep, I've gotten the stuff. I've, I, have what, I have a place where I can always go that you also know is accurate because they're a paid member. They've got an email on acb.org that's attached to it. They can get to it from the My Members account. And now they might have secondary email addresses that are different, but now everybody in the organization has one place to go, one place to check the ACB membership email, update their secondary email address would also get that email. So now you, we could close the loop in that way. That would be a, I think that would be a really neat thing to do. I wonder how many people, I mean, we've got people who go, well, we need one email address. You know, like some some people sort their mail, some people sort their mail by like some, I know my husband has his, some things go to his Outlook account. Some things go to his Gmail account. Some yep. things go, and, and you know, you know that you put I'm those same things way. that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But I think, but but both could be true. So on the, so if I go to my members account, I get, I get an email address. Uh, and then also I could just put in my secondary email address. So mm-hmm. that way, if for some reason that second email address isn't there, you can always say, Hey, look, man, let me go. If you, if you're really, really in doubt, go to your, my members account, and you can log in and you can read anything and, and, and look at look at the emails and or your status. 
Um, and by the way, feel free to update your, your email address there as well. And then as you also, you as the uh, chapters and um, uh, can also work with your membership to update the email addresses and it would update, say, the secondary, you know, secondary email address or we could you know, swap those words around, but effectively right. you could have one or more email address registered with the ACB. Well, here's so, an interesting I'm going to ask us to be quick because we still have nine raised hands oh. now. Okay. So, Sorry. It's, so no, I'm, it's, I'm out of here. It's okay. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Thank you yeah. so much, Chris. Thank you for the questions. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Monica? Yes, we have Anne or Michael Vyington. Well, thank you. Uh, uh, Yes, thank you very much. Uh, I want to, first of all, disclose that I am an old geezer within ACB. My parents were charter members. So I kind of remember uh, how the email, I I mean, how the, the membership structure got started. And the best way I have found to explain it to people is that ACB was very committed at its beginning and still is to having a democratic voting system. And so in many ways, the system that we have was patterned after uh, the national uh, system that we use in the United States. Uh, you have uh, a, a vote which is taken by uh, representatives uh, that are have voting strength compared to how large the affiliate is. Yeah. And yes, everybody, all affiliates seem to have different ways of collecting that information. Some are better than others. But your input there is by joining your state and or your special interest affiliate you are giving more voting authority to that uh, body. And people think that's non-democratic. I'm a liberal person in conservative Kansas, so I will assure you (laughs) that the uh, senators and many of the House members that we elect don't always vote like I want them to. Of course. But their voting strength depends on my being a Kansan. And that is the way to explain the affiliate votes. Those are the representatives that you are electing in the affiliate, figuring out how to best use that affiliate strength. Then you also, as you have in the United States, have your right to individually vote on certain issues, as well as the candidates, issues like constitutional amendments, etc., Mm-hmm. And I think that if you explain ACB's membership issues uh, in comparing them with the federal government, people begin to understand, oh, yeah, now I get it. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I definitely uh, agree uh, with. Oh, sorry. I definitely. I have another quick comment if my yeah, phone please. is not ringing here. So <laughs> I, uh, Quickly. Okay. Now, my other issue is I'm treasurer of FIA. And so we certainly have had go rounds with our website not working and things like that and getting our membership role straight. Mm-hmm. But the biggest issue I think that is confusing is not all special interest and in state affiliates have their membership uh, payment time consistent with ACBs, which is their right. But what we have done, and I might suggest to this to other affiliates who are looking at their constitutional membership structures, 
is we have basically said you can pay dues to FIA any time of the year. We're going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and your membership actually lasts from the time you pay to the full year after that. Now, does that mean that every once in a while, in rare situations, we might pay an extra $5 for somebody to ACB? Yes. We think that that's money well spent, and we think that it continues the democratic process. Mm -hmm. And we had trouble explaining that to uh, some of our web designers, but we, I think we've now got it worked out that way, finally. And I'm really struggling this year because our membership uh, website function was down for a while. But we'll get there. And those All are right. just thoughts. Thanks, yeah, just, thanks, Michael. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I I, I agree with the. Uh, I, I appreciate the analogy. That was the exact analogy. I think I was talking with. Uh, yeah, I've Cindy used about it many times. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so my intent isn't about whether that changes or not. It's just clarity. Um, clarity and tracking. So, yeah, thank you. All right. Super helpful. Donna, I th- you think you're next? Uh, thank you. Yes. Um, so back to Jules question, you know, about mm-hmm. whether knowing that you're a member or not, I, I'm good at making stuff up. So I, I don't even know <laughs> if this would ever be a, a, an I, option. I'll just say <laughs> yes. <then. laughs> so, no, but um, so I think one of the real issues is to make sure that, the person, whoever it might be in the affiliate, has entered the information in the database. Am I right, Nancy? That even comes before paying. It It is so important to have the information in our database right. correctly. So, but where some of the error comes is once we go to certification, they forget to check to see who really should be a member and who shouldn't. Well, right. But so but i'm I'm wondering (laughs) it probably can't be done but like you know how when when you when you enter information in the database and then the you you get an email saying that you added a record or whatever you did to it but if there's an email address it would be so nice if like that person could receive an email and say your information has been entered in the database for acb blah blah you know anyway i doubt that that could ever be done but um, no, I, 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 Donna, I, I like it. I think that makes a lot of sense. See, I'm good at making stuff up, but no, it's, you know, I, I <laughs> but, but that not, would help Jewel to know that exactly that she has been registered in the and database. if the information is correct or not, right? Because yes. anybody could yes. make an error. Yeah. Yes. So that would be this is how this is how your information was just updated if it's incorrect there's a process right and and i think that nancy you've spoken to the fact that if somebody joins multiple affiliates you know their information might be already correct but somebody else puts it in and change it changes uh you know so three different people could use three different addresses for somebody or misspell something yeah, so think, or whatever. Yeah. And so that's where I just want to pause. There, there are two sides to this, which I like where both Jewel uh, and I'm sorry, I forget the person's name. We just Donna, 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 thank you. Is that, Hey, can I just know more as, as the, as the member that it, that it happened? The yes. answer should be absolutely yes. yes. And so that's yeah. really, really valuable feedback. And I think the answer is, I believe absolutely the tech, we can have the technology to do this for you. And then there's, and, and the nice thing is, and the second part is, man, the backend's a little complex. We've got a little work to make to streamline that to help everybody out. Um, and I think coupled with the, the concept that we spoke about earlier around being able to go to my, myacb.org or members.acb.org, sorry, uh, then you can always check it too. So yeah. if you get an email, you can check the status. 
and we'll let you know if things update because it's a really good point. Because if in the merger something gets confused, like if it's going to change an email address, like we should have the system say, "Hey, did you really want this thing updated?" Because that's pretty so, common. So there's so things wanna, we can do. I, so thank I you. I want to say feedback. we have like 13 minutes or yeah. less left, and we have 27 hands raised. Oh well, so here's the, we will not get to everybody. That's the first. Well, I, I think what I, just as a note, like maybe it's uh, if folks in this conversation want to come and have a follow-on chat, I would love to do that. So I'm open to do that with this group. Um, so just let me know because yep. so far it's been uh, really great feedback. All right, let's continue on, Matt. Thank um, you, Cindy. A uh, couple suggestions here. One, as an end user, when I log in, if I could see the last update date of a record and who updated it. And then also if we had the ability, cause I know that we can add chapters, but adding people to the chapter, I haven't quite figured out yet. Um, but it would be nice as well. If I could add in custom fields for information that I may be tracking as an affiliate, but not necessarily everyone else is tracking. Like, for example, in NextGen, we track people's birthdays. Mm-hmm. I think you can, their- right, Nancy? You can. on Actually, for both of these, um, I, I think I can help you out, Matt. Okay. If you want to give me a call, we can we can work through this. this. Is, specifically, this is ABMS. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. yes. yeah. yeah. there, there's right. multiple things that I think I track that maybe nobody else does. and. Nope, you can nice have a, I can have a custom field. Yeah, you can have up to ten custom fields for your for your use. Oh well, heck, okay. Yeah. See, it's a hey, we idea. got you. We got you covered. See. All right. All right thanks, thanks, Matt. Guys. Thank yeah. you, All right, Monica. Sorry, I was just I jumped right in and was calling. You go ahead. Oh, um, WCB directors. Yeah, I can't rename myself. This is Lisa George hey, in Lisa. Washington. <laughs> Hi, Cindy. Hi, Nancy. <laughs> Nancy, I just want to say I'm not having any problems today. This Thank you. <laughs> so, Lisa, just so you guys know, Lisa is the lady that if there's any issues with AMMS, she emails me right away so that we can get them fixed. <laughs> I'm on the West Coast, so I'm up in the middle of the night. So, she gets it right in the morning. She yeah. do. <laughs> um, so, I, I have to say, this is the second year I've been the AMMS database person in Washington. Um, and it's, I, I'm a database person from a long time ago, so I, I know mm-hmm. how to use my databases. And one thing I do know is it's communication because it, as an individual member, if I decided I wanted to call ACB and update my email, I can do that. But as a member of a state affiliate, if they don't know that I've done that, it's, it's the communication of how, oh, the, how does that info yeah. come back? So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I like the variety or the the flexibility. Any person can call ACB and get some stuff done, you know, update a phone call or phone number or whatever. But I'm trying to encourage everyone who is a member of my state affiliate, call, uh, let us know, and we'll let mm. ACB know. Yes. And, but, it's, but you have to be on top of it and you have to get the stuff in. We, as new members, join throughout the year. I'm sending in dues to ACB, you know, $5 here and there because in July when they do it, I'm not waiting until the next certification process 
to add mm-hmm. that person as a member. So it's it's keeping up with as people come in because they ex- they gave me the money. They expect that they are a WCB member and an ACB member with all that comes with that, any benefit or discount or things like that. So it's mm-hmm. um, communication. So I love the AMS, AMMS system that when I update a record, it sends me back exactly what the record looks like now. Mm-hmm. And then I've actually started sending that to my local chapters. You told me you had an update. Okay. It's updated the system. Here's all the info. And that way I'm trying to push it closer to the local chapters who are closest to that individual member so that they know that their date is right. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think, thank you. Cause that, that just reinforces the continued trend of how do we make sure that everybody gets updated as changes happen. And it also sounds like having the historical data would be good in case it was like, whoops, I accidentally put a Z instead of a W, you know, in an email address. So but super, super helpful to hear the trends. All right. Thank you so much, Lisa. Okay. Next we have Steve. Hi. Great discussion. And I love the idea of being able to log into your account on, uh, you know, my account, acb.org and check your membership status. My question is, um, surrounding how do you um how do you suggest we get buy-in from members into this whole data collection process and i'm talking about uh you know members all the way up to you know chapter presidents we we've been sending in california paper rosters back and forth for since the end of time and we actually set up a uh, uh a google database this year for all the members and we have no problem with ammS that i'm aware of our office manager is great in fact she's working overtime this weekend putting in members who you know came in after our deadline or whatever but Thank you. Uh, but how do we you know i mean we've gotten pushback from you know we've always done paper rosters to what do you need all these race and ethnicity questions for even though we made all of them voluntary people still you know a lot of members are offended a lot of presidents are offended at what they perceive as a lot of extra work and and i'm really struggling with how do we get everybody to buy in on what is you know really a great valuable resource and data yes steve i have uh my, my thought on that is um you just let them do it and then as we go forward um, over time, you know, I think that as the new members come in, they'll just be stronger support to switch over time. Yeah, I mean, and, the, and, the, I, that's time. and then the yeah. second, the second thing that came to my mind is that it, one of the things I've been talking with this group about is what is the national and uh, what's the value to the members of the, both the local and the national having this information. So if we can better serve them by having some of this information, or let them know what we can do with the data to better serve them, I think is really important. So, for example, the race and ethnicity questions can often um, be helpful in grant writing so that there is more money and more capability available to the ACB to help members. So I think it's really important that we connect the data we're collecting to the why. And most importantly, why is it beneficial to the members? And then if folks at that point don't want to participate, that's up to them. Um, but I think what is often lacking is the why it's being added. And I think that, um, and I think maybe it, it comes back to the comment earlier about communication. Like, why are we doing it? We're doing it because we have an opportunity to really gather more money through grants. And this is the information that grants care about. 
Um, and that allows us to do more for our, do more for the membership. So it, it's an, just it's a super great question. And I think there are two parts. Why? Why are we doing it? And hey, if you, if you don't want to do it and you still want to do it on paper, that's okay. Uh, it just reduces the, the it has and it has a potential negative impact for the ACB to do more for their members. Yeah, and that's okay. the problem we've had. We've actually had a couple of our chapters just refuse and say, hey, we're just not, you know, we're not going to play this game and then uh, trying to get them on board. But thank you. That's a good point. I do want to add one okay. thing onto that, Steve. So I do not want somebody to guess what someone's race is, what their ethnicity is. Oh, no. They don't want to give it. Just leave it. Oh, blank. no, no, no. We're, we're, we're definitely marking them all, you know, prefer Perfect. not to state. So yeah. Perfect. Which is great. And, and Steve, the other thing I just want to say is I, I, I agreed with everything Brett said. Change never happens quickly. Um, it, it just doesn't. And unless you're ACB community, <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, everything takes time. And as chapters evolve, even, and new leadership comes in and all of that, perspectives change and the and as more people start more chapters start doing it then others will start to follow it's just there's a natural pro, uh pro evolution progression, ev- yeah, evolution. progression. Yeah. that's the word i was trying to think of yeah. um so anyway hang in there um and i think we just keep on sharing and asking and hoping <laughs> yeah i think steve i think one of the things you brought up too though is that there's so many ways to collect data coming back to a simpler central way to collect data. And if yeah. people use it, great. If they don't, great, then they just have more work. Um, so I think, yeah, I just keep hearing several themes. Consistent way to enter data, consistent way for the chapters to look at the data and know that what's when, when, where, why, how, who changed the data, and then just members to go have a quick place to find their status. Right. And I'm loving this. Yeah. Just um, to let you know, you have yep. about five I'm and watching. a half minutes yep. or six, and All Jamaica's right. next. Hi, Jamaica. My name is Jamaica Miller, and I just wanted to ask and make sure that um, would it be okay if we stuck with our with our with our G with our Gmail accounts to actually go in and check on yes, ma'am membership yes. things because yep. I um I really um would appreciate that because I can only deal with one email account. Yeah, yeah totally. That, Jamaica, that, is- that will always be something that if we ever did anything like that, it would be optional, right? So mm-hmm. you're good. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thanks, thanks Jamaica. Yep. Want to make yeah. sure it's simple for folks. Yes. It's power of choice. Okay. I'm sending an ask to unmute to Carla. Okay. This is a really good discussion. Hi, Carla. Um, Hi, how are you doing? I would just like to um, make a, um, I'd like to put a wish on the wish list. And um, <laughs> since, since, <laughs> yeah, Nancy, you know what Do I'm I know what say. it is? Since um, I certify for four groups and when I put a new name in and if I'm going to pick on, uh, I'm just going to pick on Donna Brown because she was talking earlier. Um so Donna joins a couple of groups and let's say she's new. And if I'm entering her name, Donna's on the ACB board of directors. I shouldn't have to go into AMMS to add her to my group as a new member and put in her address and so on. It's already in there. Um, if, if I'm adding Donna to an email list over in the, uh, um, 
Groups I.O., I have access to a global uh, system that has all those names in there. All I have to do is put her name in and bingo, up it comes, and she's on the list. I should be able to do that in AMMS. It would save a huge amount of time. And the same thing would be true when there is an update. Um, You know, I put in that name and I get that latest information. And while that's kind of how the updates are supposed to work, sometimes they don't. Um, Mm -hmm. And the dates, people putting in dates are just really, really important and where that update came from. So um, I'd like to see people, see y'all consider doing that uh, for next year. It would be fabulous. Thanks. Carla, great points. Um, And Monica, could you please Go to somebody who's not spoken yet first. Yes. Okay, thank you. All right. This is great. Um, and I think we only have time for one more anyway. So, okay. And I see Chris there. Yes. Here's your Chris Prentice. Okay, Chris, you should see an ass on mute. There you go. Can y'all hear me? Hi, Chris. Yeah, we got gotcha. you. Good afternoon. Okay. I'm going to throw the biggest monkey in the in the room of the whole thing as a long term goal for this, and uh, and I, I'll come from it uh, from a position of experience. Uh, I'm, we I'm have two minutes, it. Chris, so bring it on. I'll be quick. Uh, as a member of the state bar, you know you pay your license, you, you pay your dues every year, but you can join separate sections. So if a person has has the computer ability. They should be able to go in to to our system, long term mm-hmm. goal, go into our system and check boxes of what affiliates they want to join, and it gets, yep. adds up the money. You get to the end and you pay, <laughs> you pay your dues. Hundred percent, you're done. Yes, Chris, to the choir, Chris. You don't yeah, even Chris. know, Chris. This has been my. That's my dream. Like that's yeah. my, Brett, Brett and Nancy can attest that I've. Yeah. Yeah, Chris. Chris, I, I I like I like your vision where you're going because it, it does clarify it. In fact, actually, that's part of the roadmap um, that we've talked about internally. There's kind of four stages. To thirty the, seconds to yep, the account. Got so, it. Um, I know we have thirty seconds. I'm going to take thirty seconds. Sorry, I'm going to eat some of that for a, second, for for a moment. Um, one, thank you though for everybody that that uh, spoke through things today. And I do want to restate what I said earlier. I would love to come back and continue this conversation at a time that works for everybody. Um, it's been it's been great to hear the trends, and what I would like to do is just come back and walk through kind of the fourth, the top pieces around membership data that we've been thinking about from a directional perspective. And Chris, what you spoke about is absolutely on that roadmap. Oh, so, yeah. hearing all the things I've heard today, I really would like to come back to this group and say, here's what we've spoken about over the last year. Here are the top four to five things that we're connected to. Let's do it at convention. Let's do it at convention. Maybe we can come up with some. Thanks, everybody. everybody. Have a great day. Appreciate everybody. Great discussions. And welcome to our uh, session on affiliate communications. Um, I'm Deb Cook-Lewis, and um, I um, am the um, officer uh, designated to um, work with the public awareness committee. And I actually was not planning to be on this panel, (laughs) so I'm kind of winging it. 
Um, but originally it was going to be uh, Jennifer Flat, our um, director of communications. And as many of you know, Jennifer um, left us to get uh, to have a wonderful new opportunity, and that was all pretty quick. So uh, Dan asked if I would uh, facilitate this panel, and it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. So I'm glad to be here with you today. So um, with me today, um, uh, we have Jeff Bishop, and you all know Jeff. He is um, on our board. He has been really part of the backbone of ACB Media for just ever and ever, and has been a, a real asset to those resources. And we have Katie Frederick who is uh, currently chair of our Board of Publications and has formerly been a um, member of our board and um, is also very, very active in the whole arena of communication and public relations. So um, I'm just delighted to have them both here. How we're going to do this today, our format will be pretty straightforward. When I want to mention that um, uh, we, we will be taking questions, so we'll be, begin our process by just a little kind of few comments from uh, Katie and from Jeff um, about their perspective on kind of the whole topic of, of communication and sort of affiliate processes. And then after they do that, uh, we'll open it up for any questions and conversation with you, either about things that you're doing that are working well that you want to share that other affiliates might want to do, or things that are challenges because maybe somebody does have a resource. We'll be kind of keeping track of all of this, and it will also help us in our future direction as we think about how can we um, provide sort of more technical assistance to affiliates and how can we help affiliates provide more technical assistance to each other. So I think that's all um, absolutely great stuff. So let's kick it off. And um, Katie, do you want to start and kind of give us your, your thoughts on this first? Sure. Well, thank you, Deb. And good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Um, thank you to um, ACB Media for streaming us today. And it is great to be here at the 2022 DC Leadership Conference. And um, thanks to Zoom, we can all tune in from wherever we are. And I'm coming to you today from very cold, feeling like wintry once again, Ohio. So um, hopefully it will warm up and, and turn around. But regardless, um, pleased to be here to talk about the topic of communications and marketing and helping promote our affiliates. And my work within ACB for the past several years has been, as, as Deb indicated, working with our public awareness and relations committees. And now I serve as the chair of ACB's Board of Publications. So marketing and communication and working with our affiliates are some things that are very important to me and priorities for me in my life as well. So I think, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, we often think about, well, you know, gosh, how, you know, how do we, how do we even, you know, get started with, with this and, you know, how can we reach our members? We have members who, you know, maybe some are better with, are more comfortable using technology 
but we also want to make sure that we don't leave anyone behind or exclude anyone who may not have access or the comfort level of using technology. So, you know, again, when we think about communication, how can we communicate in the most accessible and effective way possible for our members? So um, today, you know, we're going to talk about a few things, um, a few ways of communication. And again, we we welcome your input, your comments, questions, conversation. Um, you know, again, we we are, you know, um, Jeff and I, Jeff, Deb and I are, are all working on various aspects of communication within ACB. But again, we want to hear from you, um, from the membership and the affiliates about your you know, again, what's working well, what your what your needs are, and how we can help you as well, because um, we know that we are all better when we help each other. So, um, you know, a couple things to keep in mind about, um, you know, affiliate communication is, you know, again, how are you communicating? And is that method of communication, again, most effective? So um, if you're, you know, maybe only using, email because it's free, um, you know, do, do all of your members have email? Do you, um, do they have the ability to access their email or are there other ways that um, you can um, communicate with them? Um, in addition, there is, um, you know, there are ways to communicate using um, social media. So looking at you know, for reaching out to different members or to more of the community at large, because again, um, a lot of people are out there using apps such as Facebook and Twitter, and those could be really good avenues for reaching out to not only current members, but also bringing in new members. And how might that work? Um, you know, maybe maybe trying a, a drive over, you know, Facebook to help, you know, get more people to your affiliate or to your meetings. And, you know, also um, looking at things like, you know, do you have events planned throughout the year? And, you know, when you're planning events, looking at, you know, what else is happening around you, you know, is, is um, in, in my affiliate of Ohio, for example, um, typically the um, second Sunday of the month, we have a monthly membership call. But this month for March, we have chosen to cancel that so that our members can attend the events of the DC Leadership Conference. And so we we made that decision so that our, our affiliate members could participate in this event as well. So, you know, when you're looking at your communication strategy as an affiliate, um, keeping in mind, you know, what else what else is happening in in, you know, maybe in your geographic area as well as um, within ACB nationally as a whole as well. So um, we are working on some ways that um, we can all learn about what's happening around our communication. And so I um, want to maybe turn it over to, to Jeff um, Bishop to talk a little bit about some other uh, communication avenues as well. And then we'll, we'll come back to me and take it from there. So Jeff. All right. Thank you, Katie. Uh, so I want to, take a step back first before we start diving into talking about um, communication channels and, and tools and techniques to do that and talk a little bit about the importance of, of messaging. And if you have not had an opportunity to, to evaluate what your communication plan or strategy is, in other words, what is your message that you wish to deliver to your members as an affiliate? 
I think that's a really important conversation that should be had. And it's probably a, a conversation that you want to have as a, as a board within your affiliate to determine exactly what what is our goal in communicating. Because that's really crucial to understand before you start doing it, right? In other words, what is what is the message that I'm truly trying to convey? Well, the, the message that, that you're really trying to convey here centers around a number of different factors that probably make sense. And there's probably additional ones that are specific to you. But you want to get the word out about activities that you're doing within your affiliate. You want to get the word out about legislation or things that impact your your people within your affiliate. You want to get the word out about interesting topics or technology topics that might be local to your region. For example, maybe transportation issues or new apps that have come to your area that can aid and assist you in transportation. Uh, you could uh, be wanting to make sure that you're completing a a successful membership drive. And what does that mean from a communication process? And if you have not done this, I would encourage you to find out what is your best strategy for communicating with your members because every affiliate is different. Some affiliates are very technology-oriented. For example, BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialist, is an affiliate that's very rich in the use of technology. And but uh, another affiliate may not have that within within the members of the affiliate. A lot of people might be using their phones or you know other other forms of communication. And, and in fact, some some people might be sending out you know newsletters through the mail. It, it, that's entirely possible. So the first thing I would encourage you to do, to do is to develop a survey. Uh, whether formal or informal, that you could send out to your members to find out ways that they would like to be communicated to. Once you've done that, uh, you need to know what things should I include as part of that survey. Well, we use a number of channels and opportunities to communicate within ACB. Many of you know that if you're an affiliate leader, then you know about our acblists.org website, where the leadership list and all kinds of lists are available where you can communicate with members. And it's really been the primary vehicle that we've utilized with an ACB to be able to get messaging out for a very long time. So that might be one avenue that you might want to include in your survey. In other words, email communication. There are others as well. Do you have a website? And are people used to using you know, web browsers, whether that's on their iPhone, Android phone, or Mac or PC, it doesn't really matter. But are they, are they okay doing that? Are they comfortable utilizing that, that technology? We'll talk about websites in just a minute because we want to focus a little bit about that. But let's just talk about the pillars of communication first. Then, of course, there's the telephone ring, right? This is, a, this is another avenue that, you know, you want to make sure you highlight as part of your, your communication process and that you're surveying your membership over. Then there's the social media circles, things like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and a number of other uh, platforms that you might uh, you know, utilize. Those are predominantly the most popular ones, but those are things that you might want to include. My guess is that you're going to find that most people are familiar with Facebook and utilize Facebook. Uh, a a uh, smaller subset, or mainly the tech-savvy group, are using Twitter. 
And Instagram is probably right up there too. But but from the blindness community, we find that most people are on Facebook. In fact, we have a very rich community that's available um, uh, on Facebook, and and we have a pretty good, uh, you know, a, a pretty good, uh, you know, number of people that are interacting with us on Twitter as well. Okay, so those are sort of the the vehicle, and, there, and there's more. There's podcasts. In other words, do, do you want your information put out in audio format? For example, do you want a, do you want a, a podcast feed where you can put up podcasts of your newsletters, uh, some some events? In other words, you you've held an event and you've recorded it on Zoom. You want to get that out to your membership? Would that be a vehicle that people will utilize? All right, so you've done this survey, you got your data back, and you now have a prioritized and ranked list of things that are important to your members. And now it's time to look at each of these individually. And I want to talk just a few minutes about that. Uh, you want me to keep going, Katie? Sure. Okay. Why don't we um, talk a little bit and then... Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's fine. All right, great. So let's talk about some of these... Uh, probably in the order that I think you would probably do them in, uh, potentially anyway, although everyone's going to vary a little bit, obviously. The first one's easy, the the old-fashioned phone, right? That's probably going to be uh, a percentage. Well, I don't know what that percentage is, but it's going to be a percentage of the communication plan. You're going to have some people who um, don't have an echo. They don't, I, I, sorry if I set your device off. I'll call it the A-lady. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, they, they don't have the internet in their home. They don't have technology, but they have a phone and they, you know, they even have a, they even have one that has a, you know, a cord on it, maybe even. Uh, so that's entirely possible. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing, uh, how many members we actually talk to who are utilizing, you know, older technology and that's okay because it's what they're used to and it's what they like. So that's easy, right? You just need to come up with a strategy of, you know, getting some volunteers together and, and determining exactly how you're going to communicate and get messaging out. Um, and, and how do you handle events and things like that? There are some tools out there that you could uh, take advantage of for that. And we can talk about that probably later. That's a, probably a bigger discussion that we should have, but it is an option for you. And if you want to if you want to pursue that, then you should reach out to us and we can, we can help you. And we'll give you um, ways to to reach out, uh, you know, here, um, probably later. Okay. So then you have email. That's probably the next, uh, form of communication. And, and, and really that's pretty simple, right? It's, it's making sure that you're familiar with acblists.org that you, that you notify your membership about, about these opportunities. If, if you are a small affiliate or, or a large affiliate, and you only have a few email lists, then acblists.org will be happy to host your email lists. If you have a ton of them, uh, for example, here in Washington, we have we have a significant number of them, and it made more sense for our affiliate to uh, actually purchase our own Groups.io uh, subscription plan. And you can do that if you have a 501c3 for a, a very reasonable cost. It's about $100 a month, and, and honestly, it's well worth it. And and uh, we're, we're finding that that uh, chapters and, and affiliates like bits and, and even some chapters within WCB are utilizing this platform and finding it to be a great path for communication, not only for email lists, but just disseminating information, getting out files, getting out information to their users. And it's in some cases replaced even the need for a website. Um, we probably should do a whole 
uh, community event on this. Yeah. And, and Jeff, if I could just chime in with yeah. one piece. Mm -hmm. um, for us, um, we one of our local chapters is using Google group, Google Groups, which is meeting our needs right now. But yeah, that, that's that another good another one. Yeah. Alternative, and it's free. Um, that's free. It's so. free. Yeah, and it's free. <laughs> Bring that out there. So. Yeah, it, it, it's free. And um, yes. but what we have found is you get what you pay for sometimes because you do. Yes, you do. So you have you to do. be cognizant of that. <laughs> right. But but you know what? Google Groups is pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Freelist.org is another one that's that's pretty decent, although that tends to be a little more techy. And, mm -hmm. and, and I and I don't know that I would necessarily uh, encourage people to go use that platform, but it is another choice. Uh, Yahoo Groups is gone. It got eaten up by groups.io. Everyone that was on Yahoo Groups got migrated over, um, at least the majority of them. And so groups.io is where it's at. And it's actually really darn accessible and really easy to use. And it's a great platform, and, and their their support is fantastic. So I would encourage everyone to at least give it a try. If you don't have the budget, then absolutely Google Groups is uh, is definitely um, something you should you should consider. So that's that's that, and and that that alone right there could be enough for your affiliate. That that could be enough of of what you need to be able to achieve your end result. Again, if you have a, a, a limited or a or small subset of lists that you, you know, probably less than five or so, then we probably would would uh, host those for you on acblist.org. Um, I would I would recommend sending an email to support at acb.org and uh, we can, you know, uh, Rick and, and team can can evaluate that and, and we can't make any promises. It will depend on the, your needs and all of that, but we'll at least have the discussion and and see where we go from there. But I can tell you there are a number of affiliates that do have this already uh, in place, and and I don't see that stopping now. Uh, there's got to be a top number, though, right? I mean, you've got to have a, a limit somewhere. Uh, WCB, I think, what had, what, Deb, uh, 60 or 70 email lists or something crazy? And well, they did, but part of that, and, and I think this is also good advice for people, is that if you are maintaining lists somewhere, yeah. make sure that you go through them occasionally. Yeah. And get rid of the ones you're yes. not using. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. and get rid of the, or I guess get rid of isn't the right word, but remove the names of people who haven't maybe been with us one way or no, the other. No, no, exactly. For a long right. time. No, so no. They either aren't members or they've right. passed away. And this has been really traumatic for me while we were doing this because... Oh, yeah, I think Marlena was even on. Oh, you know. Sue Amateur oh, was still on. So yeah, yes. yeah, uh, very. List maintenance is a thing that needs to be done just yes. like we do our yes. house maintenance or any kind of maintenance yes. once a year or yeah. so. It's good so to clean up. sometimes we set these things up and then we don't know so mm -hmm. it's right. going to turn out right. uh, that wcb is still going to have enough lists that it well warrants our having our own Abs absolutely but but we're going to have a lot less than we originally purported well, that, well that's good yeah okay so, <laughs> yeah. so so let's now talk a little bit about social media and, and uh i'm going to leave website to last because it's a little bit bigger yeah. and um you know, I, 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 all of us love our social media, right? We got the, the Twitter and the Facebook and we've got Instagram and all of these things. And, you know, you, you, you're going to probably find someone within your affiliate that loves to be able to get on there and do those uh, social media things. Um, some of us do, do not really care for Facebook. I'm one of those. I have it only because I have family and um, they would kill me if I wasn't on Facebook. And, you know, you know how that is. But I, I love I, Facebook. It, meanwhile, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and and but Twitter is my friend now. But yes. you know that's not the norm. Most people are on Facebook, and if if your affiliate does not have a Facebook page, 
then boy, it really ought to, because really it mm-hmm. is the way, honestly, yes. to get the word out about events and and yeah. getting information disseminated across your affiliate. It, it's it's probably, um, you know, at least second, if not first, in your vehicle that you're going to utilize, because almost everybody that is le- least using an iPhone or an Android phone or a computer has Facebook, and they're using it at least at some level. They may not be on it every day, but you know, uh, it's important. And and to make and to allow your affiliate to grow and to communicate and and get the word out and market yourself, it's a it's a crucial component of of having a strong affiliate. So you should be looking at that. Develop a, a strategy or, or a team that will focus on these. You're probably going to want multiple people doing these things, and maybe one person handling email, one person handling social media, another person handling your website, or a team. In fact, in fact. Yeah. I know in Ohio, what we do is, as an example, we have a technology committee that, you know, encompasses all of that. So some, a couple of us, a couple of us have our hands in everything because we're techie nerds. Yep, yep. Some we, of we us can't help it. Yeah, we, some of us can't say <laughs> um, no, right? Right, that too. Um, yeah, exactly. Some of us, um, some of us. Uh, so we we do a team approach. We have, you know, a couple of us might have, you know, maybe two people. Again, you don't want, you know, ten people perhaps posting on your Facebook. Mm-hmm. You do want to be kind of mindful of. Yes. of who's doing what, right? Because right. again, then you can get into some some communication clutter, so to speak. That's so, right. um, you know, you know, having a couple of people on that on that Facebook account, a couple of people on the website, um, yep. you know, again, one or two with with email and um, you know, because again, um, you know, even though again, you sitting here in the audience or listening on ACB Media, you know, you think Facebook and you, you know, roll your eyes emoji, right? But um, you know, again, for for reaching Again, not only current members, but also prospective members. I mean, just, you know, take a look at at the, you know, the ACB community Facebook group that was started a couple of years ago. And now that has, you know, thousands of members. Yeah, and thousands so just, of people on it. Yep. Yeah. And and some of those, you know, may or may not be ACB members. That's that's cool. And that's okay. We, yeah. we welcome you. We want you to, exactly. to come into that community and exactly. have a seat and, and contribute because, Again, you you are important. Your your points of view are important, and we want to recognize that. So, um, but you know, again, for Facebook, um, just a couple things to to think about is you know, how often do you want to post? Because um, again, you 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 know want to be cognizant of of not posting. You know, just because it is social media, you know, you don't want to oversaturate, right? So you know, maybe that's right you know, one post a day or, or something big is happening a couple posts a day at the most, or a couple posts a week, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe, maybe start out with a couple a week and see how that goes. Or, um, you know, always looking for ways to engage your members, you know, yeah. ask questions on Facebook. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, um, I know that I'm going to call out an affiliate that I'm, I'm a fan of on Facebook, the next generation, they have their next generation neighborhood and they ask some questions, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I can't think of one. Maybe I, uh, some of our audience can. I know they've done some like throwback Thursdays or, you know, what do you remember from the nineties or, you know, something just to, to engage members, you know, what's your favorite um, TV show or, you know, it, it may not be blindness related, but just, just to get that conversation going and interacting because that's what social media, it, it is social. Um, you know, you want to, yeah. to have that interaction and yep. um, again, you know, ways to, to share what's happening in your state. Um Things related to you know the the coronavirus or hot hot button issues that are impacting your your state, your local area, um, your community. So, you know, again, those those really um, 
you know, targeted posts of, you know, posting a, a couple, you know, again, maybe doing a couple posts a week um, and just really looking at, you know, Facebook, um, we, we could do a whole call on Facebook and I have we before. Yeah, I put yeah, it yeah. on Facebook yeah. to some groups within ACB, but it really is its own its own channel. So today we just want to kind of give you a broad overview. Um, but also if you, you know, want to create a Facebook page and you don't have one, um, feel free to reach out, you know, t- to me. Um, I'm happy to help, you know, walk you through that from the screen reader aspect. Um, yeah. And also if you, if you put, um, you know, I know that often in our community, we, we don't think about photos, but we're, you know, uh, we need to be cognizant of that because again, many, um, many people, you know, for them, a, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? So, um, you know, if you do put up photos, um, I encourage you to maybe have someone, if you can't see, maybe have someone with some vision, take a look at that first, whether that's, you know, utilizing a friend or a family member or Ira or be yeah. my eyes just mm-hmm. to make sure that you're, you know, it's a good photo, right? You want to want to put up some some good pictures and good good visual content, but that is really important to to put up um, in in social media. Pictures really are um, a, a way to communicate in that medium. So, and they they I are will, really important. Yeah, yes. I mean, you don't want to leave those out too. Yes. yes. Don't leave them out. Yeah. And, and, you know, we didn't mention two things, too, that are really important in communicating, and that's you know, the use of audio-based chat services like Zoom, yes. like we're on Zoom right yes. now. Yes. You know, that's another one that, boy, if you, if you don't have a Zoom account and you're not utilizing that for your affiliate, boy, get get that going. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, and then, you know, Clubhouse has been a, a, an exciting way of allowing people to have informal chats. You could create a a club for your affiliate and, and just, you know, schedule events there and, and just have informal chats. It's another way of just allowing people to socialize and, and have conversations. And, you know, it's happening all the time on ACB, you know, ACB crafters does this, uh, the, the, the community is constantly on clubhouse doing things as well as on zoom. So again, these are two other vehicles and, and clubhouse is free. Zoom, uh, can be free, but you probably want to get an account and you can, get that. I think it's about $15 a month for that. So it's pretty reasonable priced for a very, very, very powerful communication tool that honestly needs, it's it's almost a must in your uh, affiliate tool belt that t- to have at least Zoom. And I would argue, you know, uh, Clubhouse too, if, if, if you want to expand that and have ways of, of allowing your members to sort of, you know, communicate and, and get together in, in a in a room or series of rooms that are tied to your affiliate. So before we go to questions, I, I actually have one that you I'd, I'd like you to think about because it's the one that gets asked of me the most. Sure, because so, we haven't got to websites yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah, no, I, no. yeah, we'll get to those in just a second. But I think this is an important place to maybe maybe engineer this question. So mm-hmm. um, and, and you can kind of talk about it and, and websites too, for sure. But what I what I think people ask the most often is, okay, so I kind of conducted my survey. I kind of learned what my neighbor, my uh, my uh, uh, constituents, my chapter, my affiliate, my whatever would like to have happen. It does make sense knowing who they are, and I have no idea how to deliver it. So, what if 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 my members have just told me they'd love for me to have a Facebook? account and I can spell Facebook, but that's about it. Or if um, they've told me they'd like to be on Clubhouse or they've told, you know, based on, and, and it seems reasonable given who they are and their skills and what they do in the rest of their life. What kind of resources are there out there somewhere, not, not just within ACB, but anywhere in terms of uh, helping me figure out 
how to manage this stuff and do it. Yeah, well, you know, ACB's got resources too, but there's also third-party resources, things like uh, Mystic Access has got some great tutorials that are mm-hmm. um, really, uh, you know, premier tutorial-based, um, uh, you know, audio-based walkthroughs of, of developing both websites and Facebook and uh, I think Brian Harjan even has a, a Facebook yes. uh, he's course. He's got a nice Facebook tutorial. Yeah, he's got a Facebook that. tutorial. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a number of these. Um, I don't think I don't think Judy Dixon has written a Facebook uh, book, no. has she? No, but she did write the picture. Uh, I'm going to get picture it. Picture this. Picture yeah. this. She did yes. picture yes. this. Picture this, which mm-hmm. I'm wanting to buy it for myself personally because yeah. it's a great I, book. It's a great book. Yeah, actually. that's a great yeah. book. And that was really helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was and a that great book. That talks about taking photos, and you know, again, for I'm I'm a person who's totally blind on my life, so mm-hmm. you know, again, pictures. I'm like, yeah, yep. okay, but okay. but again, they are important, so right. I, I want right. to to get into that space. So that that may be a good resource. Yeah, um, National Braille Press. Yes. It's got a number of things. Bookshare, of course, Books. if you're a Bookshare, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, if if you're a Bookshare member, you've got thousands of books available to you uh, all on, you know, Facebook and Twitter and, and developing websites and and marketing and strategy and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, there's literally t- tens of thousands of books that you can search and find. Trust me, you're going to find one that that meets your needs. Yes. But but the most important th- is the th- most important thing is is to reach out people reach out to people you know. There's also mm-hmm. the public. I don't want to you know speak for for public relations, but but that that's another you know vehicle. Like Katie mentioned, uh, the board of publications is another way of hey, mm-hmm. we have questions, you have answers, um, and you know uh, that that would be a vehicle that if there was significant demand that we would we probably would want to do something about it. Um, right, you know, and it's a and great mentoring opportunity. Absolutely, so someone absolutely. With really good skills could be yes. even without a class. Absolutely, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just more helpful to have somebody kind of one on one with you a little right. bit. Right, absolutely. Help you help. And I know I've that. I've walked some people through that, and I'm happy to always happy to do that. Happy to help and and help people, you know, learn because a lot of times that first step is scary, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's yeah. just it's a new a new thing, and it can be a little a little mm-hmm. intimidating. So we mm-hmm. want to. We want to be there to help help support you and and um, because again, that's you know that's what we're here for in ACB is to help support you as a as a member and as an affiliate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Great. let's let's hit the discussion of uh, websites real quick. Then. Okay, yeah, we won't spend and, too much time on that because we've been yammering for a long time yeah, and really want to hear from you. Yeah, we want to hear from you. So. <laughs> yeah. So the, the first thing I want to mention is that every affiliate right now already has a website on acb.org, or at least a web page. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have your own website, we need to make sure that we know that you do. And if you have not communicated this to the national office, you ought to, so that we can make sure that we have a link to your actual full website from your affiliate page on acb.org. Okay? That's the first thing. If you don't have a website and you want information put up about your affiliate or even changes to that page, then all you need to do is contact the national office and say, hey, we have updated information. We would like it posted on the page. And there's a team of people who will, you know, make sure that that gets up there. Um, uh, some some resources are a little bit uh, lighter right now just because uh, people are, are, are out. Uh, and so it might be me or Rick posting those things, maybe. I'm not sure exactly. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll make sure that we get that content up there for you. 
if you do have your own website, you know, again, all these principles come back to, okay, what is it, what do I want to do to make sure that I'm communicating my message? And this is about, you know, making sure that you have news and information on your website. You have ways of contacting uh, your officers and your board of directors and, and, and ways of reaching out. So having a contact us uh, page or, or some contact form where they can fill out a form. Do not, do not put email addresses or phone numbers on your website. Uh, you're going to be very, very sorry that you ever did that if you do that. Um, and if you see affiliates that are doing that, please encourage them not to do that. Um, it's it's something that, you know, there, there's substantial risk from a security perspective in that. In that. So, so please be careful about that. Um, we're, you know, there's, there's calendars that are available that you can put on your website and, and we, we're using a, um, uh, we're, we're utilizing WordPress for ACB Media and we use a, the My Calendar plugin, which is a very rich and fully uh, WCAG compliant, fully accessible calendar. You, you can subscribe to the events and have them come right to your iPhone or to Outlook in, uh, on your desktop. And uh, so there's, there's lots of things that you can do there. And finally, I want to talk about one last thing, and that's a podcast. We, we have told affiliates that you, you can have a podcast on ACB's uh, Pinecast account. Um, so, uh, you know, for example, WCB has one. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, there are others that, that do as well. And this would allow you to also get your messaging out, will allow you to be the collaborator on that podcast feed so you can upload your own content, manage your own content on that. Uh, it's all, it's really owned by you. It's just you, and you don't have to pay for it. It's, it, you know, now if you, if you want five podcasts, that's probably a different question. It might be something that you might want to, uh, you know, get your own, uh, podcast account or, or podcasting service that's going to host your, your stuff. Um, this really comes down to resources, right? In other words, it, it's all about, yeah, we can do one and, and make you a collaborator, but we can't just like email list. We can't, you know, we don't have the resources to handle, you know, 10, 20 podcast feeds that you might want. And really, the, the important thing about a podcast for the affiliate is to get your messaging out. So, so you know, for example, people are using them for things like newsletters and um, special events or, or, or conventions and things like that, where they want to get their information out in a way that is just specifically targeted for their, you know, or your affiliate. So we've thrown a lot of stuff out here at you about, you know, first of all, a plan, developing a plan, and then executing across that plan after you know how you should best communicate with your users. And we've given you, given you some pointers, but by all means, we're not done, meaning that there's always more to share. Um, but now I think it's time to open up the, the the lines and let people ask questions and also share stories. We, we want to hear what you, what are you doing well uh, that, that, that works well for you that you can share what questions might you have. And yeah, let's, let's find out. Let's, uh, share together. Hey, so, um, Belinda, um, yes, is I'm going here. to handle our, um, our Q and a period. And, um, it looks like most of our people in our audience is pretty familiar with this, but if you want to just real briefly hit that for us, Belinda, and then we'll take questions. Sure. So if you, would like to raise your raise your hand on a PC. It's Alt Y on the Mac. It's Option Y on your smartphone app. You're going to locate your raise hand option on the screen. And if you're joining us on a landline phone with a physical keypad, it's star nine. 
Okay. Don't while have we're waiting, so far. Yeah, while we're waiting, um, Jeff, I just kind of wanted to go back to the podcast um, piece, if I can. Um, maybe we could talk a little bit more about that. Like, you know, let's say that an affiliate wants to, you know, had a had a convention and wants to put it up in a in a podcast. Um, what are a few tips that that might be useful or, or good to know? Yeah, sure. I mean, the first thing is to make sure that you can record the content, right? So, so you want to make sure that you have someone that's qualified to be able to to record the the activity of your convention. And you're probably going to want someone to edit that content because there's always little snafus, right? You know, you don't necessarily start on time, and you know, you start the recorder a little early, and you want to polish the, the the content itself before it's archived somewhere for historical. Uh, you know, uh, downloading and all of that. So, so there's going to be a, a bit of work there to to develop a team. Uh, Oregon, for example, is a great example of, a, of an affiliate has um, tremendous resources available to them um, in the podcasting space, and they're utilizing it. Um, you know, they're 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 doing that and and holding lots of events and doing and recording things. And you know, I don't know if they have a podcast up quite yet, but they're but they're but they definitely have the aptitude there. Uh, they've got great people, people like Michael Babcock and others, who are actually uh, doing a podcasting session. I think as we speak. Yes, they are. They as yes, we speak. I want to check that one out. Because yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear more. So everyone, so everyone should go to you know get the archive of that and listen to that because yes. it's 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 it's, un it's unfortunate that they were back to back because that yes. that would have been a good one to sort of maybe you know have one after the other or something that right. would have been interesting. Right. Um, once you have the once you have the the actual media, you know probably an MP3 file format, which is more of just a technical thing here, but it's a pretty pretty de facto standard. Then then you need to have someone that's going to write up you know show notes or or or, or, the, or the little summary of, of what you want each file uh, information to say, and then you simply just log into a website and upload the content, and then it automatically. Uh, gets pushed out to people's devices um, when they request uh, updates, and uh, it, it it's magical that way. It, it just you know it's good. So then all the content comes to comes to the people who subscribe. Um, and again, this is all about also getting the word out if you have that available and and promoting the the heck out of it. Uh, and the other thing is is that uh, you know if you are um, if you are on our pine, uh, Pinecast feed, then we'll add you to the ACB Media website as well, so you get visibility there too, and people can search and find you, uh, and find your content and and, do and download it or listen to it directly from the website if they want. Uh, that that's you know yet another vehicle that you could utilize. It's an, at, at the national level for your local uh, affiliate. So. And your podcast, you know, it can be really fancy and have all kinds of wowing effects or yeah. whatever. And it can and be simple. Nice, but it doesn't have to. No, it can be very um, simple. You know, I I did my first um, podcast endeavor with uh, the GDUI Juno Report. Now. Yeah, and that was great. Before, right? And But it was easy. So I uh, I didn't have a lot of pieces to it. I, I had... I uh, usually uh, pre-recorded my content, which was maybe a live interview or something from a seminar or or me interviewing someone or whatever it was, you know, so I had a piece of pre-recorded content and I knew how long that was and I had my theme music that I put together and just found, I mean, and edited from something else and, um, and I did a 
an item over the top of that from my intro and an item over the top of that from my outro. And so now I have every time, you know, I had three pieces already together, the intro, the outro, and the main content piece. And so then all I had to voice additionally when I actually made the recording was, you know, any additional announcements or greetings or acknowledging which month we were in or whatever it was and I could do all that and then I just recorded that all into you know one one thing and did a little light editing on it but it really didn't need much because you know it was these pieces that were put together and um and then send it up for the podcast and it got to be you know really quite easy now you can make them much more complicated than that for sure, sure. yeah but but you don't have to at all is no. kind of my point is yeah. that you know just um you know have a little bit of stuff that's surrounding your content and mm -hmm. then have your content and go yeah and, and there's great resources going back to resources there's great resources on audio editing you know brian hargen has got mm -hmm. a gold wave course yes. and he's got a reaper course and he's, yes. i think he's even got a soundforge course mm -hmm. and there's a new version of soundforge out by the way just came out this week and uh there's um these are you, for audio editing for those who may yeah audio know. editing yep yep yes. yep so so uh there's there lots of tutorials out there uh i think jonathan mosen even still sells because it's still relevant actually his podcasting um you know how to podcast and and how to promote mm -hmm. yourself in a podcast i believe that's available at mosen.org uh, uh so you know yeah. you could go there and check that out too so you know lots of great resources there in in you know if that's a direction you're interested in pursuing um, we can also help you with an ACB in reference to getting started, giving you pointers, um, you know, and, and, and assisting in that process. We're here to help you all the way. So, oh, yeah. All right. Do we have any hands? Yeah. We do not. So, yeah, I can't believe you guys don't have something to tell us, you know, right. because I'm sure you know more about this than we exactly. do. Exactly. Right? Oh, we've got one now. <laughs> ah, see, oh, there I, you yeah. go. There you go. I knew that would help us. All right. All right. Welcome. Yes. Okay, Penny, you can go ahead. Hey, Penny. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? Good. Hey. Great. Hi. I just wanted to let y'all know I'm the secretary at BITS, and I wanted y'all to know that our group's I.O. account cost us $220 a year, not $100 a month. That's because you have a, uh, you don't have an enterprise account? Uh, so there's two different levels of groups that I/O depending upon the level that you that you that you want. So there's uh -huh. ways of doing this where um, if you you can if you have 500 people or less, then you can get in cheaper to groups that I/O. If uh -huh. you're a if you're a 501c3, you can even cut that in half. But in the case of larger affiliates like WCB, for example, it, where they have more than 500 members, uh -huh. then then you need to have an enterprise license to be able to handle the number of users that would be impacted. So, um, so it just depends on the levels uh, that you have. But the important thing here is, is that you should take a look at their pricing page to determine what is best for you. And if you have a 501c3, make sure they are aware of that because then you get a 50% discount on that rate. Yeah, they do. They know that. I mean, right. our treasure is right. really good. And 
And I just wanted to tell you all that because I thought that might discourage some people from considering it. Sure. Yeah, it does depend on the size. Mm-hmm. Depends the on the thing size. That yeah. raises that's interesting to me is that it you know you can probably influence this too by what you decide to have a list for because for mm-hmm. example just using again our our affiliate just because Jeff and I are both in and we know what they're doing um but just to use it as an example they're using they have a, a very large base for their newsletter subscription and that is what's actually driving us up because they have that as an email list and yep. so um, um you know it's a one-way list of course um but um but it's um but it is still being handled as a as a list um thing which which is probably technically the easiest for them but because it is actually significantly larger distribution than the membership is um our membership is still actually large enough that we would probably still have to have the level we do but that's just a thought for an affiliate like if you're if you've got something that you're doing that you're doing on a list but maybe it's twice the size of each of your other lists it it might be relevant to to rethink that because it might save you money in the long run. Right. So we, yeah, we love uh-huh. we love group it's Yeah, so yeah, most people do. Mm. Most people yeah. do. Yeah, and the the newsletter point is is a good one. I mean, we, you know, again that that you know how you distribute your your affiliate newsletter if you have one or choose mm-hmm. to have one um, is is important. And um, you know, we we use um, email as well for that, and we we went to a. Um, again, a Google group to do that for our affiliate because we thought that that best met our needs at the time and it may still, but it's, you know, worth, again, good to have options and um, great to have, you know, the the customized services and, and supportive groups.io and, and good to have the free options as well. So thank you, Penny, for that mm-hmm. comment. Yeah. Any other hands, Belinda, right now? Not at the moment. All right. Well, there are, you know, some other things that that we, we, um, you know, within ACB, of course, we have our ACB Voices blog, which is a project that the Board of Publications is is working on. And that's, that's also an avenue where, you know, people can write a blog is another form of, of communication that um, may be um, a method to use for, you know, for your affiliate. And the nice thing about a blog is, again, you can not only put text on it and images, but you can also incorporate some video and audio and that multimedia approach. And, you know, with a blog, which is um, through a web, you know, on the website, you can also share that out um, to social media and other, you know, share links to that as well. And so it's just, it's, again, it's another interactive way of, of communicating with so I think members. of a blog as being a sort of more user-friendly, I'm, 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 Probably not quite where Jeff is about Facebook, but I'm certainly not where Katie is. So <laughs> I I think that a He's blog is yeah. yeah, I think a blog <laughs> is is kind of a more user-friendly or um a toned down thing than Facebook. It's not is not as cluttered or you can set it up to not be. And mm-hmm. one of the things most blog software will let you do is set it up so that people can receive email notifications either of the whole post, you know, the, or, or that there is a post depending on your choices. And so if people do prefer to get things by email and some people prefer to see them on the web, 
I mean, I do my most of my groups IO from the groups IO website rather than from email. So that's that's more like a blog format when you look at it mm-hmm. up there. And so, um, you know, that really is an option for some people and they're not that difficult to set up and um, might be might be a really nice resource for um, a chapter. Mm-hmm. Yes. You can post things and, and have things sent out um, again through email or use other methods to, to mm-hmm. communicate that as well. So, mm-hmm. 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 and yeah. Um, yeah, you, you don't have to have a website to have a blog. I just, I want to clarify that you, right. you know, yes. it's not necessary. So you can, you can have just the blog portion mm-hmm. if you didn't have the website. Yes. So, and again, we do have the affiliate pages on acb.org, which are an amazing resource for our affiliates and, and committees to really share, you know, share if you do have a website or, or information, but also just to, you know, to get the word out about your affiliate as well. So again, please take advantage of that resource as well. And please go up and take a look at what's there now, because if you've been yes. actively feeding that for us, um, then hopefully it's current. And if it's not, you should let us know. But if you haven't been, it might actually be doing you a bit of a disservice if, if wrong contact people or things. Um, and, you know, you can have your posting just as simple as this is this is who we are and this is our website. Or you could have a little bit more information there. And you could build that out as much as you'd like. And so, um, but the nice thing about that is we have very high traffic to the ACB website, and much higher traffic than probably most of you have to your affiliate sites, just because of the nature of, of what we're doing at a national level. So, um, so when people come, um, they are pretty readily able to um, connect with your affiliate through our website and, um, don't have to try to figure out uh, what you're called because you know that's the challenge. We don't we don't have a branding system in in our organization that requires all affiliates to have a similar naming convention. So the pro of that is that you know we respect what people do, and the negatory on that is that it might be harder for sometimes for external people to find us because we're not all you know, the whatever council of the blind or the whatever council of guide dog users or the whatever council of BPI or whatever it is we're called. So, you know, we don't do it that way. And, um, you know, there, there might be some argument that we should, um, I, I could make one, but, but that's not really the point. The point really is that, you know, in terms of finding people, uh, finding your affiliate or whatever, um, we can do that. So some, some affiliates have done a little bit more with this than others, but in general, it's been an underutilized resource. So I would just absolutely encourage you to, um, to consider that a way to get yourself advertised at a national level. I know one thing that we we talked about, um, Jeff. You mentioned the the calendar um, on ACB Media. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's something that um, you want to maybe maybe talk a little bit about that. How people, you know, can can they subscribe to that today? Maybe how that works. Yeah, so you can go to acbmedia.org/calendar, and there are subscription links right on the page. Uh, and you, you can even drill down by category and subscribe just to that category uh, uh, within the calendar itself. We're, go- we're going to be utilizing that more and more to, to get the word out, and we're even going to mm-hmm. have a, a, a national calendar, so all of our national events, things like committee uh, meetings and things like that will appear in the calendar so that we have full 
full access to know what's happening. So it will help us schedule other meetings and making sure we know where people are. Um, but it's it, it's a great tool uh, to be able to you know get the word out on things. And uh, we utilized it a lot at the convention and uh, last year. And uh, it was a it was a big hit. People loved it because it was a, it allowed them to see when events were happening. That they had direct links to get directly into an event uh, and play it immediately. You know, uh, very very fast. You know, uh, clicking play and on the media site. You know, it instantly started playing the the content. Um, people were really really uh, happy about that. The, you know, we 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 got I don't know close to twenty thousand hits uh, during that convention week uh, alone. Uh, for the website, which is which is pretty phenomenal, really. Um, so yeah, it's a great tool, and, and it's one that uh, you know is going to get utilized even more and more over time. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that's great, and also the the um, you know I learned something new. This is this is why we put this together. But again, the the you know calendar um, piece is is important to think about again as you as we talked about when you have this communication plan and strategy looking at you know okay what might be going on that might impact our communication right or or what might we you know want to not schedule around or during or uh, things of that nature so it's always good um, i know in our um affiliate you know we're always you know double checking and we've been we've been wanting to come up with a good a good calendar system so we may implement implement this in our affiliate by by chance but it is always good to to keep in mind, you know, what's what's happening when and where, and to to try to um, you know keep that in mind as you're maybe having events or scheduling things or or um, looking to promote things as well, right? And sharing information about your events. So always good to uh, you know, and having that that calendar option where people can subscribe if they wish is um, I know I personally love that feature. So um, that may work well with some of some of your members as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. Oh, we just it, have a few minutes left. Are it, there any other hands? Any other hands or, or other we comments, may, might be able questions? to call it, call it early here too. Give people time there back. There are no raise hands. All right. Well, we want to thank everybody. This was uh this is a great session and uh, it will definitely appear in the podcast. So uh, for those of you that might be listening that way, don't hesitate to reach out to any of us. And uh, we're happy to assist you in any way, shape, or form that we can from a communication perspective. Absolutely. 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 Well, thank you all for being with us today. Uh, your last chance to stick your hand up really quick if you want to get something in. Otherwise, we've got a really busy weekend ahead. So I know you'll even appreciate the three or four minutes you're going to get before we jump back into our next Connect show. So I want to thank everyone for being here today. Thank you, uh, Belinda, for hosting us and helping us That's out. And, and we're all appreciative of all that. And we will see you in the next session then. Hello, everyone. My name is Brian Charlson, and I'm pleased to be with you this morning or afternoon or wherever the Turning Globe places you. I have two gentlemen joining us in this panel dealing with getting started with your own affiliate chapter or personal podcast. We gentlemen got together the other day and decided a, a particular plan of attack for tackling this 
rather complicated question and doing so in a way that would not be overwhelming to those who haven't spent their lifetime behind a microphone. So what we're going to do here is first, I will start by giving a bit of my personal story and how I got involved with this. Then I'll pass it on to Michael, who will do likewise for himself. And then finally, Tom, who is batting cleanup. I can say that now that Major League Baseball is back up and running. So let me tell you a little bit about my podcast story. I've been a member of ACB since I was uh, 16, and I'm now 66. So that's a lot of years. And during the course of that time, it's been my pleasure to function in a variety of different capacities, including being first vice president of ACB at the time a little entity was developed called ACB Radio. That was under the inspiration and guidance of Jonathan Mosen, uh, who many people listen to today in his own podcast. That is, um, let's see, forget it right, Jonathan Mosen, Mosen at Large, as I recall, Mosen at Large, a great podcast. I highly recommend it. I was in those earlier days a co-broadcaster with my good friend Rick Morin, who is actually behind all of the technology we're using here during these next four days, doing a program on ACB Radio Interactive called The Yin Yang Show. And over the course of the years that we did that show together, I developed some understanding of the technology. I always was a technology person, having worked at the Carroll Center for the Blind for 34 years in adaptive technology instruction. I also loved a number of different things about the idea of radio. So it was great to work with Rick on that program and to, over the course of time, develop some skill at the microphone, some skill at the keyboard, meaning the computer keyboard, and a bit of fun about how to co-host an activity. We stopped that program for a couple of years, moving in our own directions and other activities. And then a good friend of mine, Carl Richardson, asked if we might create a podcast together about something that we shared passion about, and that's audio description. And from that, the podcast called Picture This was born. Carl sits in his basement studio. I sit in my basement studio. And the two of us have a conversation about some issue associated with audio description. Most of the time that includes an interview with one or more individuals who are playing an important part, usually overall within audio description, not by any means just video. It's also things like audio description of content on national parks or museums and those kinds of things, as well as what you think of as the traditional audio description activities. This has been going on for a couple of years now, and I want to tell you a bit about the journey, not just to that topic and the passion I have for it, but also the bits and pieces that have made it continue to improve in terms of quality and in terms of how it informs the blindness community about things that are of some concern to them. And when I say concern, it might be just as simple as how they prefer something described differently than that that's generally used to describe things, et cetera, that kind of thing. 
So I sit at a Windows 10 computer. It's a desktop computer. I have attached to it two microphones through its internal sound card. Those microphones are mounted on a scissor mount so that I can move it up, down, forward, backward, left, right. It in turn has a cage-like device attached to it with the microphone sitting in the middle of that cage so that if I were to bump the tabletop or type, the sound of the tick would not come through the microphone. The microphone also has on it a foam cover and what's called a pop filter. A pop filter is a screen as thin as, say, uh, a nylon screen or a nylon stocking stretched over a hoop that is set in front of the microphone to catch all those peas and pops and things that might otherwise go into your recording or broadcast. So that's my microphone setup. I have, in turn, devices which I attach to my computer through its USB ports, including digital recorders. So if I catch some content when I'm out and about and want to make that part of my program, I can simply plug it in and copy it from my digital recorder straight into my computer. Or I might pop out an SD card on my digital recorder and slide that into an SD card slot on my computer and simply do a cut and paste from that remote media into a folder on my computer to begin working with it. Once I have that content in my computer, I bring up a program called, <clears throat> called Studio Recorder, a software product from the American Printing House for the Blind, which gives me the ability to cut and paste information from several sources into a single file, and then through some judicious editing, changing things such as fade in, fade out, crossover where one thing fades out as another thing fades in, changing so that if something gets overly loud, it can automatically be suppressed to be a little more comfortable to the ear, or vice versa, something that's too low to bring it back up. All of this done through this program, again, called Studio Recorder from the American Printing House for the Blind. Not the only program I've used to do this, but it is the one that I currently use. All in all, I was trying to put this all together on a dime. I did not buy the most expensive microphone. I did not buy the most expensive computer. I did not try to start at the top and work my way down, but rather start myself at the bottom and work my way up. Eventually, I was able to put together a pretty good sounding podcast and through the use of a service that is out there based on a monthly fee where you can upload your podcast and it automatically sends out to all of the different pod catch software, the availability of your podcast. You, this product or service is called Libsyn, L-Y-B. S-Y-N, Libsyn.com. And once every other week, I produce this program with the help of Carl Richardson, do the editing, and then post it to Libsyn so that everybody can listen in on the latest thing in audio description. After having said this, I want to pass the microphone over to my good friend, Mike. Michael, go for it. 
Well, thank you for that. And it's very interesting. I think what I'm going to learn, because we're here to teach you how to launch a podcast for yourself, how to launch a podcast for your affiliate or for your business. And what I have already taken away from this opportunity is how things are done differently dependent on the needs that we have. So let me start by telling you a quick uh, journey of mine. And while I was mapping some of this out, I realized podcasting has been involved in my life longer than I had thought. I was talking to my wife yesterday and I said, I don't know if I should be on this panel. There's people who've been podcasting a lot longer than me. And then I was thinking about it and I started podcasting in a way that wasn't necessarily podcasting in 2003-ish when I was still in high school. And I'm going I'm to mention something and I apologize for some of the younger people who may not know what I'm talking about. But in high school, what I used to do is record my friends quick radio shows that I would put together on cassette tapes. And then I would disseminate these to the people and give them to them the next day and say, hey, I recorded this for you. And I would implement news that was going on around our local communities. And of course, I would have music in it. But to me, that's where my love for creating audio content began. And uh, it just kind of took off from there. A podcasting network that wasn't called a podcasting network because that wasn't really a thing was around back around the 2004-2005 area era called Cool Blind Tech and uh, or it was Blind Cool Tech. I think it was Blind Cool Tech if I remember right. And I produced a podcast talking a podcast episode from a internal laptop microphone talking about how I was going to use technology in college after I graduated in 2006. I would love to find that. And every once in a while, I find that audio using archive.org because the website is no longer around. I've yet to save it, but one of these days, I'll, I'll actually find it and save it in a place where I can get it. Because it's interesting to hear where I have come on my journey from there to where I am now. In 2012, my mother suddenly passed away unexpectedly while I was an access technology instructor at the Alaska Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. So I moved home to Montana and tried to find a job, but finding a job was not the most easiest at the, at the time and sometimes can be challenging. And what I ended up doing is figuring out a way to put together my own podcast, I guess it was, but it was audio recordings. And that kind of faded away very quickly. Uh, I, I lost passion for it. And passion is very important. We'll talk about that in a couple of moments. But I lost passion for what I was doing. So I ended up stopping recording those audios and putting that on the back burner. Then I was on a tool called Periscope, which some of us may or may not remember. And there was a gentleman who told me, he said, Michael, you are amazing at telling stories. You need to share your stories and voice with people who that can help. And he encouraged me to launch a daily podcast. And that is a challenge. I will tell you that is a huge challenge. Uh, and, and I don't recommend it for someone unless you have the time and energy to put into the project for sure. And in 2015, I launched the Your Own Pay podcast, which is the main uh, site that I was working on. And, and I enjoyed doing that. I was publishing daily. And interestingly enough, we'll talk about my setup now. With that, I got started using an app on my phone 
previously called Boss Jock Studio, now called Backpack Studio, and the earpods, not AirPods, but the wired earbuds that you would put in your uh, ears. You could hear every time I took a step because I'm a pacer, and every time that a car drove by, my audio quality was definitely not what it is today, uh, even though now you're, you're probably getting some backup no background noise here today. Uh, and I did that for, I want to say it was about a year. And in conjunction with that podcast, I began to launch what I called PPBI or Passionate Professional Blind Individuals, where I would interview blind individuals who are passionate about the profession that they were in. And that was a fun opportunity because I got to learn more about what others were doing and how they were overcoming some of the challenges that they encountered during their life. Uh, so that podcast kind of faded out about the same time the podcast that I am currently producing right now uh, is launched, which is <laughs> gone through a couple different iterations in the title, but it is now known as the DM series. That's where a friend of mine, Demasi Thomas, and I were sitting on the phone one day and we were talking and we said, hey, what we're talking about could be something that people might be interested in listening in. We didn't do any market research. We didn't look into anything. We just decided to launch it and get it running. Now, every other week on Tuesdays, uh, we've stuck with the Tuesday publication day since we started this in 2017. But every other week on Tuesdays, we will be publishing a new episode. We did take a brief hiatus from late 2018 through mid-2019. And uh, we can say since that we came back in 2019, we've been publishing regularly on uh, every other Tuesday basis. Now, Consistency in a podcast is important. And I learned this the hard way. We were getting a lot more listeners than what we get right now when we were publishing consistently in the beginning. And then when we stopped, I think a lot of subscribers either no longer became interested in podcasting or maybe they just didn't think we were publishing content. So what I had learned in that lesson is that when we publish consistently, our listenership typically goes up consistently every time a new episode is published, we uh, get new people listening, and the podcast is shared. Now, in the last couple of minutes I have here, I'm going to go over uh, two other projects that I'm involved in and my technology setup, what it was and what it is now. Uh, I, in 2019, was also invited to be part of the Accessible Media Incorporated uh, team as a content contributor, mainly because I reached out and said, how come you guys always talk about iPhone and never about Android? And the ironic thing is, is now I'm talking about iPhone and not Android. But it was a great opportunity for me to get involved in a live environment, which is different than podcasting. How do we record our podcast? Demasi and I get on a tool now called CleanFeed. We use Google Chrome for this. And he's on the Mac. I'm on Windows sometimes. Sometimes I'm on the Mac too. But primarily, I'm on Windows. And so we'll jump on CleanFeed. Uh, I press the record button. That records him and me on our own tracks. Very important for editing, uh, which I'll talk about in a moment. And then... We also both record locally because, well, I am famous for one episode where I had to go in and dub each 
time I said something into the podcast because I lost my recording because we didn't have a backup recording. I think it's DM22. If you want to hear it, if you're interested, reach out. I'll let you know. And so we both have two recordings going, the one in clean feed, and then he uses Audio Hijack on his Mac to record him locally. And I use Reaper, which is my audio editor of choice, to record me locally just in case. But typically, we use the clean feed recording. My voice is coming to you and to the podcast listeners through a, I think I paid $60 for this microphone. It's a Samsung S-A-M-S-O-N-Q2U microphone. And this microphone could go into USB into the computer, but because I'm a nerd and I like to have dials and switches and sliders next to me and buttons, I have a Soundcraft Signature 12 MTK audio interface uh, to my left. This gives me the opportunity to adjust my volume and uh, to listen to music and adjust those volumes and the volume of JAWS. And that is plugged into a Windows 11 computer right now. Uh, Then my audio goes into clean feed. Uh, I get the recorded audio that both of us produce by recording ourselves. And 95% of the time I use the clean feed audio. I bring both of our files into my digital audio workstation called Reaper with a template that I use in Reaper that automatically puts the intro and outro files, which I probably don't need to use that because I always change up the intro file. Uh, But it puts that all in place for me. And then I render the project into... uh, a FLAC format instead of WAVE, and I send that up to Alphonic to uh, provide audio stabili- uh, audio normalization, take out any background noise that I may have missed. And then that gives me an MP3 file that I download to my computer and I upload it to Pinecast, which is the podcast platform that I use and ACB Media is using as well. Uh, very happy with the support that Matt at Pinecast has provided and the systems that are in place. So that is a quick recap of what I'm doing with podcasting. And I'd be glad to answer questions if we have time today. But in the meantime, I'm going to hand it on over to the amazing Thomas Reed. And uh, oh, one last thing before I hand it over to you, Thomas. I am probably the only one here that is not involved in audio description at this time, uh, but that could change. So take it away, Thomas. Thank you, sir. Um, so I'm going to try not to repeat some of this because, yeah, there's definitely some things that are, there's some overlap here. Um, and I'm thinking about the users or those who might be interested in podcasting. And so I'm thinking questions might be really, really important. So I'm going to try to save some of that time. So I'm going to spare you some of my origin story. I'm going to spare you stuff about me being a bedroom DJ back in the day, but that definitely impacts my love of audio, um, my love of storytelling as well. That's something that I've always been been very much into. Um, but really, becoming blind has everything to do with my getting into podcasting. And so that is just kind of re- sort of just getting back into audio. Um, so, so you know, I kind of moved away from audio for a while. Um, so I was that dad who used to kind of walk around with his kids. At the time, it was just my one daughter, but I would have that video camera with me, right? And I'm, and I'm doing all of that. So when I became blind, 
Um, in addition to just needing audio for uh, a recorder, that is for taking notes initially when I first became blind because I didn't have access to a computer. Um, so I was using a digital recorder. But then I also started recording my kids um, and just hearing their voices. And, and when I got access to a computer, then I was able to actually start doing some editing with that. And that was, a, that was new for me. I, haven't, I never did um, any sort of audio editing, uh, not, not in this, this main way. Um, did some things, but again... Not gonna bore you with that story for now. Um, so what I did, I really, really loved working with audio. I really loved stories and I wanted to continue that. And so the thing for me is that these two things were a passion. And, and Mike, you kind of touched on that. And what I did was to combine my passion for audio with my other passions. And so initially that was working with the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind. And so I took the skills that I had there and just started doing whatever I could with audio over there with PCB. And so initially that was like, you know, doing some things for the PCB reports, which was sort of a podcast of its time without being on the podcast, but it was cassettes. Um, and then making a version of a podcast, which was talking advocacy and government. And then I was also the, the conference coordinator and started making things to promote the conference called The Blast. And so all of this is really kind of pushing me towards continuing and developing my skills with audio from editing to storytelling, interviewing, all of that stuff. Um, eventually, I, I received an award, uh, a scholarship from the uh, Association of Independence and Radio in 2014 and went to the Third Coast Festival, which sort of bills themselves as the Grammys for audio. So lots of folks who were in radio, all the NPR folks, all of the podcasts at the time, um, all of that stuff. And so met a lot of people. That was cool. But then I got some information from one person who was like, hey, there's this organization in New York and it's called Gatewave. They're a radio reading service and they're looking for people to make original content for their programming. So I got annoyed because it was blind specific. I'm not going to lie to you. It was blind specific. I was like, well, you know, I'm they're not looking for just blind people. Anybody could do this, but I was the only person they sent that to. And so after I got over myself, <laughs> I realized that, hey, this is an opportunity. And so I took that opportunity to start making stories um, for Gatewave. And initially I had no idea. They said, make whatever you want. And I said, okay, I'm going to make something that I know about. And so at that time it was, it was pretty close to Christmas. I said, let me do something on, on shopping, online shopping from a blind perspective. And I was nervous about talking to people um, and just, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people, but I was still kind of nervous about this. This is a new venture. So I just went to the people I knew and I started talking to them because that made it easier for me. And I produced, um, I produced a whole piece for them. It was probably like 15 or 20 minutes or something. No, actually it was probably less, 10 minutes or so. And they loved it. And that was, that was it. And so what I started to do, I had a blog already. Um, so since this was a radio reading service and no one can actually listen to it unless you were, you know, uh, had the radio in New York, uh, what I did, I said, okay, I'm going to put it on my, on my blog. It wasn't a podcast. I just put the link on my blog. It was like a SoundCloud file that I put up there. Um, after maybe a couple of episodes, I said, you know what, let me change this to an actual podcast. And so that was it. That was, the, that was my entry into podcasting. Unfortunately, there was no planning, no thinking about it, no nothing. Now, I would not recommend that to you, but, but I would if it's about creating. Because again, it was the passion. It was just about creating the audio. And I would definitely recommend that because you know if that's your goal is to just continue to create, 
you can you can start developing an audience if that's what you want. But to me, it's really about that creation. So I would I would say that. In terms of my my technology, that's come a, a long a long way. But I think both Brian and, and and Mike touched on it. But you know, mine initially, like I said, was that little digital recorder. It was tiny, it fit, fit in my hand. Um, but I went from that probably to a Victor Stream. I wasn't using anything that complicated. I was just using what was what was available to me. I think I then went to like an Olympus recorder, the one that talks. Um, yeah, and then from there, I was just using Goldwave initially, was just a single audio file editor. I wouldn't recommend that if you're gonna really wanna do sound design and music and incorporate all of that. Um, and then eventually I, I got to Reaper. So like my whole my whole thing with podcasting sort of mirrors my my experience with blindness to be totally honest with you like anytime there was something that was new accessible when the accessibility of things changed i was able to adapt to that and say okay i can use this now let me keep moving and and just incorporate incorporate that into my life um the i think what's more important when it comes to the sound some of the things in terms of my experience is is the room of the room that you're recording in, because you know you want to try to eliminate as much of that background sound as you possibly can. So I went through many iterations of things. I used to record in my office, this on the you know in my in my home. Um, it's a pretty spacious size office. It's a nice size room, um, and you can hear that reflected in the sound. And so what I tried to do is to reduce some of that room sound. At first, I would I would maneuver a bookcase, a bookshelf into the corner of the room just to kind of section that off, get some comforters and some pillows and, and, and you know, try to absorb the sound. That was one of the things I did. I moved from there to a, a tabletop box um, that I put foam in that I would literally stick my head in. <laughs> I would have the microphone in there. I would stick my head in there and, and do my narration and things like that. Um, I then came up to my bedroom using my Olympus at the time. It was portable, right? So, so I could bring the microphone and, and my laptop up here and just record on that in, in the closet. Um, it was a nice walk-in closet. And then from there, I decided, hey, I have space in this walk-in closet. Let me section off a booth. And that's what I'm talking to you now um, from my closet, which is my, my vocal booth, which is, you know, it's good enough. Um, it's a good sound. And, and again, it's right now I'm talking to you from a cheap, what you're hearing me on is a cheap $30 Radio Shack microphone. That's not what I use when I record my podcast or when I record um, AD tracks or anything like that. But, you know, it sounds pretty good. And it has been on the podcast before when I, I had, you know, some whatever, some someone else recording with me. Um, so it can it can work. Again, the room sound makes a, a major, major difference. Um, and, and that's a big thing for me is the vocals. Just that was one of the things that I think attracted me to to audio is just sound, sound in general, right? And vocals meant a lot because like I told you, I like stories. And so you're really getting into that person's voice and just listening to the to the words that they say, the detail, how it sounds. And and I always love that that million dollar NPR sound. Um, but you know, they have booths, thousand dollar microphones, multiple thousand dollar microphones and and really great equipment. But again, that's sort of what I'm always thinking about when I'm recording is 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 that sound for the vocals. But so is sound design. Sound design became something very important to me. So my my podcast is is rich in stories, in sound design and music, pulling all of that in. 
Um, that's a, a big portion of what I'm all about now in terms of podcasting is, is the stories, right? Um, for me, my passion has always been around those adjusting to blindness. And so that kind of led me into where the stories that I tell, like what's, what's behind that. Um, and so that's my, my target audience has always been folks adjusting to blindness. But again, that reaches out to a lot more than that. Um, and, and I would expand on that now and say folks adjusting to disability in general. Um, how did I choose the topic? Yeah, so that's what kind of what I'm talking about now. Um, you know, again, if, if I look at my podcast, I can literally trace my whole adjustment to blindness right? At least from the time that I started, where I was, what I was thinking about at the time, um, sort of my, my philosophical views, um, the things that I were interested, was interested in, all of that comes out. So it, it really is, is based on that. Um, like I said, the first gateway story I did was based on my own interest. Um, you know, I started taking assignments from them and that, from gateway that is, and, and that helped me sort of get more comfortable in talking to strangers, right? So, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of lessons that I took away and, you know, I'll leave it at that and hopefully that's enough. But like I said, cause a lot of the things, you know, I, I also do Lipson, um, you know, Tuesday seems to be a popular day to drop podcasts. Apparently <laughs> I'm not sure how that became a thing, but yeah, I also drop one on podcast uh, on Tuesdays. The thing that I would recommend is that if you are going to to create a podcast that you think about these things as much in advance um, and you set expectations. Because what Michael said in terms of, you know, having consistent information out there, consistent time that you're posting uh, uh, content, um, the other way around that or in addition to that is to set expectations with your listeners, right? So if you tell your listener, okay, we're in a season, the season is going to go X amount of episodes and then we're going to be back on this date. We're all used to that because, well, at least some of us who are old enough to remember, you know, that on regular, quote unquote, regular television, that's the way it worked, right? We would get a season and we'll know that it'll come back next September or whatever the case may be. So that seems to be a, a very, a very helpful thing that I'd, I'd, I'd tell you all about now. But um, yeah, I think we should go to questions, Brian. So I want to leave some time. So I feel like I'm kind of rushing through, but I think the questions are going to be really important and I can always add more. So. I agree with you entirely. And thank you, two gentlemen, for, for letting us know about your journey into podcasting. Uh, there are several things that I took from what you said up to this point. One is to make sure that you don't wait until you have everything perfect to get started. Get started and then perfect your craft over time. Mm -hmm. Second is do what you do on a regular basis. If you Say that you're going to do it weekly, but then you start to do it every other week or maybe every third Thursday. Yeah, you're more likely to lose listenership than gain it. You can always increase your frequency, but decreasing, that's a difficult thing to do. In addition to that, uh, know that this is not something you do alone. You're probably going to lean on people over the course of the time of your podcast creation with people who know more about a given thing than you do. And you should expect that that is an important part of your learning experience. I hear over and over in your stories, I learned about this, then I learned about that. So you should think of podcasting as not something you master and then you're a master at it. It's one of those things that's under a 
continuous state of change. The devices change, the rules change, the expectations of listeners change along the way. So let me now turn to our moderator here and see if we have anybody who would like to ask a question and to please explain the process for doing that. Oh, absolutely, Brian. If you're on a PC, to raise your hand is Alt-Y. On a Mac, Option-Y. On a smart device, it should be on the screen. And on the standard keypad, it's star nine. And if you have a question, you are not allowed to unmute until I give you the okay to unmute. So your first question is from Janae. You okay, may unmute. Go ahead. Hello. Go ahead. Hello, Janae. Hi. I want. I. I well, what I want to find out, number one, how can I be in contact with one or both of you guys? Because I am one that wants to do podcasting. I have some equipment, and I have several questions. Some of the things I want to get down was what software you're using for editing and recording. Um, I heard some of it. I kind of came in a little late. Uh, okay. I, I love their. I love both stories. I love the process, but I, I got tons of questions. But I just want to at least be able to connect with you guys and be able to ask my length, my long list of questions later. So for contacting Brian, it's Brian Charlson, B R I A N C H A R L S O N at Comcast.net. Okay. And you gather. Well, how about this? Can I give you my email and you all can email me? Because that would be an easier way for me to capture it with that. It's not one of those things that is readily doable here while we're in the middle of a Zoom call. Oh, okay. So, so again, much okay. of this ACB weekend is going to be available as podcasts themselves on ACB uh, media. So okay. you can re listen in at that point. You other two gentlemen, contact info. So I'll jump in here real quick and give my contact info. And if you can't take it down, I'm sure if you email Cindy at community.acb.org, she can get you in contact with us. Um, uh, so that you, might be the best way. Yeah, yeah I think that would be the best way. Uh, is, so is how about Cindy, you just shoot her an email uh, to community at acb.org. Is, is Cindy spelled C-I-N-D-Y or is it, is it spelled differently? That's how you spell it. That's how you spell it, yep. C-I-N-D-Y. Okay, good, because my street is called Cindy, so that's why I asked. So I will email Cindy because I really love both stories. You've, got, you've given me lots of questions that I have in my mind to ask, but great presentation, both of you guys. And to briefly answer your question about editing, uh, I am using Reaper for my audio editor. and. Okay. Yep, Reaper. And I believe Thomas is as well. And then Brian is using Studio Recorder, correct, Brian? Studio Recorder, that's right. Studio Recorder. Okay, I was looking into purchasing that one. Okay. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Amanda, you may unmute. Hi, guys. Good afternoon. Sorry, I have a little bit of background noise. That's why I was staying muted when you sent me the prompt, Sheila. Okay. Um, it's March Madness in my house. So, um, you know, um, I was going to ask if you guys used Zoom as a recording platform and then edited from that and or if you had a better recommendation. Yeah, I would stay oh. away from Zoom. If you, I'll, I'll just jump in here. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. So, so Zoom, it's a, it's a low quality recording that they give you. Um, now, I, I did used to use Zoom but I never use their recording. So I record on my end 
And that that's a much better recording. So for that matter, you know, that Zoom is fine um, if, if that's what you were going to do. But I think um, there's several out there. Michael mentioned he uses CleanFeed. CleanFeed is, is audio only, which is really good. Um, if, if you just want to do audio, but there's a, there's a bunch of other things available. Um, Riverside, there's, uh, ooh, I'm, I'm forgetting some of them, but, but clean feed is, is pretty good. The only thing about clean feed, and Michael, you jump in with this one, because I think you have to be Chrome only. And when like Riverside, for example, is Chrome, but they also have an iPhone app, which is really nice. Um, so, so there's some pros and cons to a bunch of these, these apps that are available. So CleanFeed used to be Chrome only. They have okay. added support for Firefox and now beta support for Safari on iOS. But nice. yes, it used to be Chrome only. So one other thing, remember I said earlier, don't wait until you have it all in place. Mm -hmm. If Zoom is what you know and you're intending not so much to record just yourself, but conversations with others, then don't wait to have everything in place perfect, perfectly. If it's a conversation, Probably Zoom quality is is enough to get started, but anticipate whatever decision you make today, you're probably going to upgrade as time goes on. Thank you so much. I was I was asking that because um, in our affiliate we do a lot of events on Zoom, so we were looking, you know, at how we could utilize it and turn some of our content into podcasts. That's why I was asking. Exactly. Thank you, gentlemen. Exactly. You're already Can I jump in one with conferencing? You want to use that content? Absolutely get started with Zoom. Can I jump in real quick for like 20 seconds? Mm -hmm. I just want to say, if you're going to use Zoom, from an editor's point of view, please go into Zoom into your recording feature and have it record each person on their own track. That way, when my dog barks, if I'm not talking, we can edit that out of the audio and it doesn't influence what anyone else is saying in the recording. Exactly. And if we have one person who's talking really quietly, but the rest of the recording is good, it gives you the ability to adjust that altogether rather than each time that person speaks, you have to cut and paste and manipulate each time they speak. I should remember Thank to you. say I'm an audio snob. <laughs> <laughs> I really I am. understand. <laughs> no, but for the for the use that you're talking about, it's it's I agree with Brian. It's totally fine. I definitely agree with go ahead and get started no matter what you have. So yeah. But I'm a snob. Well, I wouldn't I say such a thing in public anymore. <laughs> No, I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> own it. Totally, own he's owning that. I totally do. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate your feedback, y'all. Y'all are great. Um, I think we have that t turned on, but I'm going to double check that, Michael. Thank you for that recommendation. Another you question? Have, no, you have no other hands at this time. So I'm going to ask the next question of my two fellow panelists here. If you could talk to your younger self when you got started in all of this and say, whatever you do, please do X or please don't do X, what might that be? Well, I, I can I can start. Can I can I modify that a little because I think there's, there's a lot of things that I would think about. I don't necessarily know if I would change all of these things. The one that I think I'm pretty sure I would tell myself not to do, 
even though I like it, is I would change the name of my podcast. And the reason is my podcast is Read My Mind Radio. And the reason it's Read My Mind Radio is what I explained earlier that I was never really thinking about starting a podcast until I started making the content that was available for it. I mean, I thought about it, but I wasn't really, really thinking about it. But I had a blog, I was writing. And so it was just, I just added the radio to the existing name of my blog. Now, Read My Mind Radio doesn't tell you anything about what my podcast is actually about. But that's overtly. It does in a sense because there's my, my opinion that that's somewhat threaded in there, but it really doesn't. So for SEO, search engine optimization, it's an awful name. <laughs> it's, it's an absolutely awful name because even I have to, you know, my tagline is R to the E-I-D because when people hear Read My Mind Radio, they spell it R-E-A-D. It is not R-E-A-D. It is R-E-I-D. I would definitely change that. Um, I would build a team from the jump. If I knew where I was going with this, if you have a team, even if that's one other person, oh man, I can just imagine what that feels like. I do this on my own. Um, I get help from my family every now and then for certain things like graphics, but for the most part, I'm doing everything on my own. And um, I, would, I would truly, truly build a team. Um, with that, I would build a budget. And um, yeah, I think, I think I, I, I'd, I'd leave it there. Those are the main things for me. I have to say with the question of naming your podcast, that does matter quite a bit, not just for optimization, but also to be unique enough mm-hmm. that people who uh, won't get confused by things. We chose picture this as kind of a fun take on words on this whole idea of, of audio describing things that are visual. But picture this shows up uh, as part of the title for at least 50 other podcasts. So we frequently have to say, go look for Picture This by Brian Charlson and or Carl Richardson for people to actually find us. So naming it is is quite important in terms of, like you said, getting a team to help you out in things. That has proven to be the only way for us busy workaday people to keep up on things. This is something we do in our spare time, and there's there's precious little of that these days. But we had somebody who helps us with marketing. We have somebody who helps us with graphics. And we have somebody who helps us a bit with the music side of things. How about you, Michael? Oh, the name thing is big. Your own pay doesn't tell you anything, and you'd be surprised how many people say my own what. Uh, and so that's that. That was I kind of did exactly what Thomas was talking about. I said, "Well, my blog's called Your Own Pay. Why don't I name my first podcast that?" Uh, and so I'm going to go ahead and say something slightly different, but I think it's important for going back to the original topic of today's call, affiliates to be aware of. A podcast is not going to make, and I'm going to I'm gonna say this is what I would tell myself, a podcast is not going to make you money. You're not going to get paid a lot of money from this. You'd be surprised or maybe not. How many people jump into podcasting thinking, hey, I'm going to make a lot of money because I'm going to get thousands of downloads and, and I'm going to get famous from my podcast. I know how many downloads I get. I can tell you maybe 1% of those downloads reach out to me to give me personal feedback. 
And I can tell you 0% of those people have paid me money. And uh, so I, you're, you realizing going into a podcast, you have to be passionate about it. And you have to be talking about something that you can talk about even if you don't get paid from it. Uh, so that would be my thing. Can I jump in there? So, so, and that's a, that's a great point. What I would say on the, the optimistic side of that, right, is that the podcast can give you opportunities that you don't even know about. Oh, and, yes. and I would say that's my experience because the podcast has led to all sorts of things for me, including uh, my entry, well, for the most part, my entry into audio description. Um, in, in terms of where I am today and what I do today with that, as well as other opportunities to to talk on topics, um, to write. So it, it's and and even even more importantly than all of that, um, for me personally, the people that I have in my life today and that I that I've met. Um, so some a lot who are who are actually dear friends and colleagues, and so that has been invaluable for me. I will drink to that. Right. Amen. You buy it. You buy it, Michael. <laughs> Brian, you do have some hands raised. Go ahead. Let's call another one. Joseph, you may unmute. Come on, Joseph. Okay, on the computer. You may unmute. All right, we'll skip to the next one. And Joseph, if you get unmuted, I'll be able to see it. <clears throat> Yasmin, you may unmute. Hello, can you guys hear me? Yes, ma'am. Hi, um, I just wanted to say um, I definitely agree with, um, I, be I believe it's Michael who said that you have to definitely be uh, passionate about <laughs> your podcast and you know in the beginning my, my I have a podcast that I started um like right before the like I, you know right when the pandemic started mine is called Yaz you didn't see that and you know as I, I I started it because I needed like an outlet to talk about my vision you know I'm, I'm still you know in the process of losing my vision so you know I just thought it would be you know, uh, the perfect outlet since we were, you know, on lockdown in New York. <laughs> so, um, and it's, it's a, it's a journey definitely for sure. Um, you know, I think it's definitely very re uh, rewarding if you do have a, um, you know, a, a positive message to share with people. And um, I'm happy that someone mentioned the, the Reaper, I want to say I heard it in here because I have two <laughs> devices going. So I'm trying to listen to another um, meeting that's going on at the conference. But, um, you know, I was looking for something that was accessible for someone with a vision problem to be able to um, edit the audio on the podcast. Because, I, you know, I record on my phone and, I, you know, I use uh, the Anchor app to do it. And so far it's been helpful for me to do it, but I wanted to be able to include other things, you know, other aspects into the, you know, recording, but I haven't, had not been able to find anything until I heard about this. So I'm definitely going to go check into that. Thank you. Great. And Thanks Joseph, Joseph, Hi, you I, are, I, I made it. Right, so, several months ago, I had my first attempt to, uh, be the head of the uh, book uh, book club presentation, and I had the book Sitcom Entry. 
And what I wanted to do and did to some extent was to get passages from the book so that if people hadn't seen a show, I could uh, put a little splices of the author's comments. Uh, some things went technically wrong, but I thought that at least I got a good list up there. So my interest was not necessarily doing a podcast, but adding those snippets to my presentation so that people could hear the, the sections of the book from the talking book. So though it didn't work, I'm glad I tried. And understand that what you were doing is one aspect of what we do each time we broadcast or put together a podcast, the ability to cut and paste into a playlist of sorts so that um, we can share multiple things with our listeners. Don't give up. Do it again. Uh, and I must say that uh, my wife is the director of the Perkins Braille and Talking Book Library. So talking books are central to our world here. And sharing more of that is a good idea. There are some excellent podcasts out there uh, that are book clubs gone podcast. Okay, Pam, you may. Oh, I'm sorry, Joseph. Yes. yes. Um, uh, a previous question sort of partially answered mine. I don't do podcasts. I listen to podcasts, but I've heard a number of people mention an app called Anchor, and I think it's also a website. And, oh, it's supposed to be the greatest thing since sliced bread if you listen to some people are either of you are any of you familiar with anchor or have you ever used it to create a podcast i'm familiar with it i have not used it um and i don't know where they are today but i know there was a lot of concern about anchor from the podcasting community because there were some issues in terms of uh, the 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 ownership of your of your data. So I don't oh, again. Okay. I don't I don't want to you know speak too much about because I don't know where that is today. So I can't update. But that was definitely an, an issue. Um, but I'm not I'm not really that familiar with it in terms okay. of how to use the software and, and all of that. I myself also am not familiar with it. And the primary reason I did not like look at it too in depth is because I am a. Uh, advocate of know where the money's coming from. And if you're giving people something for free, then how are they leveraging that information that you're giving to that company in order to make money so they can continue offering it to you for free? And that's why I've stuck with paid podcast hosts. Okay. That's, that's been my experience and my understanding as well. The one thing I would say is whenever you are taking content and posting it on a service, make sure that you retain an archive of your own work. Uh, because all it takes is for one of these companies that you've been putting things up on to go out of business and your entire previous efforts can, can disappear. Oh boy, that would not be good. Okay, Janae, you may unmute. Hi guys. So. I have a question. Where can I find each of your podcasts? What different platforms are you all on? So I can tune in and be a support, number one. And number two, I did email. Is it Cindy at ACB? 
um, org. That's where I put the email from my question earlier. It's community. Actually, yeah, community at acb.org. Oh, community. Okay, acb.org. Okay. Although I think Janae had a fantastic question. Yeah. As far as where to find them. Janae, that's a beautiful question. Janae, the name of the podcast, and you can find it everywhere, anywhere you get podcasts, is Read My Mind Radio. Remember, it's R to the E I D, though, when you spell read, okay? Oh, I'm going to look it up today. So you I got to. Follow. You got to. All right. Absolutely. Appreciate the support. So. And picture this again, you on any podcatcher, it's picture this and include if you get a long list of things that have pictured this in their title, do picture this Brian Charlson and you'll get it. And then for me, it's the DM series. That's the space DM space series. And it should be the first one that comes up in your favorite podcast app. And the author is the Your Own Pay Podcast Network. That was all your questions for now, Brian. Terrific. And how much time we got left on the queue? You have about six minutes. Very good. So I think that in these last few minutes, unless a hand pops up, I want to give each of us an opportunity to say and fill in any blanks you think occurred between our opening dialogue and our Q&A session. So let's go in reverse direction and start with Tom this time. Anything that we let me see. Um, I I think I I do want to highlight um, for me, for me personally, I want to highlight the create the creative aspect. Um, of podcasting, that it's an opportunity to really dive into your own creativity. Um, I think sometimes, you know, when we hear about podcasting, um, I think what comes to mind for some people are just, you know, someone talking on the microphone. And and it doesn't have to be just somebody talking on the microphone. Um, and even that is a creative thing. So don't get me wrong, right? Um, but But I think what we have an opportunity is to really, really explore not only the things that we talk about, but how we talk about them. Um, so I would, I would really encourage folks to, to kind of dive into their creativity. I would also implore you to think about what you want your podcast to really be. We didn't, we didn't get that much into that. Um, but, you know, like I said, there's all types of podcasts. There's a chat cast, there's narratives, there's, there's you know, fiction, there's the nonfiction stuff, there's sports stuff. You know, there's a lot of things that you all can do. Um, I would also think about, especially if we're talking about chapters and affiliates, I would think about, you know, maybe affiliates kind of joining forces because, you know, there might be some redundancies. Like if, if, if one affiliate only has one person and another affiliate, you know, maybe combine because there's some, some of the same topics I bet you we'll probably end up talking about um, or covering, I should say. So I'll just throw that out there. And Tom, and now uh, Michael. Very good. Uh, I I completely agree with a lot of things that have been mentioned on today's call. Um, and and you know, having the having the ability to get started and just get out there and get something going, I think often is the biggest struggle that some people run into. I've been part of multiple let's launch a podcast committee calls for chapters and affiliates and. 
the entire process becomes overly complicated in order to get out there and get recording. Remember, I got started recording things on cassette tape and then switching over to uh, using my phone to record things. Uh, and I believe Brian and Thomas got started, if I remember right, in similar fashions. They didn't have this amazing setup or or the setup that they have at this time. But the fact is they got out there, they got started. And remember, it's easier to ramp up. Well, maybe not easier is not the right word. It's it's more expected to ramp up than to ramp down a podcast. So maybe that means you release once a quarter podcast or once a month podcast, and you realize that you have more content for yourself or your chapter, and you decide that you want to go to every other week. Then at that point, you decide, you know, weekly, I should publish a new episode. Uh, you can do that. But consistency is essential. Uh, and that's all I have right now. And I think this has been a great adventure. And hopefully you've learned something uh, as well. And for me, one of the things I learned was the importance of having a program or two in the can. Because life happens. You may have every expectation you're going to be publishing something every other Tuesday. But uh, like me, right now, I'm in my wife's office, not in my home studio, because about two months ago, um, I had a basement flood out, which meant my whole studio was ruined. So right now, it's a concrete box, not a good place to be doing a program. So have, if you can possibly hold off podcasting, publishing that first effort. Get some evergreen content, some content that you can plug in. It's not based on what time of day, time of year, when the next conference is going to be. It's something that could be played at any time if something goes wrong. Because it's not if something goes wrong, it's when something goes wrong. It will. So be prepared with something in the can. Carl and I try to leave three episodes that are not time sensitive in the can that we can pull out when one or the other of our lives gets out of hand. Yeah. You, you have, have one hand, Brian. You have Again? Hand. You have one hand. Oh, go ahead. Joseph, go right ahead and unmute. We've got about two minutes. Go ahead, sir. Okay. All right. I just wanted to mention that System Access came, came up with a series on this topic with a number of different segments. I've not bought it yet, but it might be a source to look into. Thank you. That's the kind of thing we hope we do at ACB is share information. Life, life is a long-term classroom, and we learn from one another as much as uh, any other way. So thank you for saying that, Joseph. Very much appreciated. I want to thank our guests here today and make a point of listening to those podcasts. And if you need help, again, we want to help you launch your efforts. We're here for you. Access us through Cindy at communityacb.org. Did I get it right? community at acb.org. You got it. And through her, you can get a hold of us and we'd be more than happy to give some uh, hopefully
to-the-point advice on where you can turn to answer any questions you might have. Now we're going to go back to the four-day event. Thank you for joining us in this breakout session, and I'll turn it back over to the tech crew.